Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. I am Brent Young, as always, joined by good friends, great people, and of course, giant, giant Bearcat fans on this beautiful Monday. Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, gentlemen, how are we? Over the moon. And back, yes. I'm here. Chad, how are we? I'm here. So he's good. I got a, I got a, I got a house auction to win tomorrow, so... My focus is uh, a million other places and an 11 year old that's lashing out and not behaving right now. So uh, we'll see how my nerves are for this, for this show. <laughs> to be honest, I, I, I love just the, the angst that you already are coming in with. That'll be, that'll be good when we need to need to get some real grit out of you. Can I'm here? Well, speaking of it grit, it ain't going to take much tonight. Speaking of grit, speaking of a uh, veracity, speaking of a uh, lashing out, speaking of, needing to win an auction not for a house but for the the admiration of the national media the national folks especially the college football playoff committee but 24 to 13 at notre dame stadium snapping a 26 game home winning streak for the irish against brian kelly marcus freeman blah 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 story goes on and on and on wow Number five. Number five. Number five in the country. Highest since 2009. And first G5 team since 2011, Boise State. Oh, wow. I don't think there was a G5 in 2011. That was still BCS. So, well, it was, it's the first one of the the current era. And yeah, I mean, it was still a uh, non. The G4, whatever it was back then. I don't know, the power six with with Biggie's. Anyway, monstrous, monstrous win. 24-13. Chad, you have that, you had that after the game, post little party happy hour, Dave after dark, which is kind of tame. It was a more tame Dave after dark. That's because yeah. he wasn't allowed to drink during the game. He, he had sobered up from the, the tailgate. The whole he the just, whole fun of Dave after dark is supposed to be Dave starts drinking nine hours before the podcast starts. And then we get Dave after nine hours of drinking. Instead, right. Dave had been sober for like five hours on the podcast. Started. He just, I, I expected more out of Dave to maybe sneak a little bit of something into the game, head to the stall, make a little mixy, come back out, Dave after dark, bam, bang, boom. But he never made it to the VIP. <laughs> he never made it to the VIP. Didn't get you the could invite. not find Dave in the club. <laughs> did did you not found Urban Meyer in the club, but not Dave. Oh man, yes, getting that getting that action at the club, no doubt about that. And a big apology from Urban Meyer today. No apologies needed for Desmond Ritter and his statements just last week for for a anything. Big apology from Urban Meyer until the second video service of him checking that chick's oil. Sheesh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, they asked him, they said, did you have to apologize to your family? I, I, oh, man, gosh. He said, yeah, of, of course, I'd had to apologize to my family. But like I said, no apologies needed for the Bearcats and the Bearcat community and everyone involved. Aaron, I need to hear your initial thoughts. Where were you? What, what kind of emotions took over? Did you did What's get a little like dusty? watching a game with Chad? Well, I did got get banned. a little dusty in there. I got I got banned from watching the game with Chad, so I was, I was I was the bad omen. Oh gosh! Okay. <laughs> well, Explain. first off, first off, so Chad doesn't drink during games because he's watching 
intently what is happening, we, you know, formations, what's developing. Sure. And Aaron um, is a little more free with his uh, libations during the game. Sure. Okay. So early in the game, as good things were happening and the Bearcats were building a 17-point lead, Aaron would be standing behind me and something good would happen and he would just smack the shit out of me in the back. I grabbed his shoulder and shook him. Oh, yeah. Forgetting that Chad has back issues. Well, well, and you with the cutoff shirt, I can see how the all that muscle grabbing Chad's shoulder could probably muscle him a little bit. He's behind me. I can't see him. A little sneak attack. A little, little spook, yeah, a little spooky sneak attack. I like it. Kind of Urban Meyer-esque, you know? <laughs> and there, was no, there was nothing Urban Meyer-esque about it, I promise. Then, third quarter, Aaron comes back from wherever he had vanished to. Okay. And he, and he leans into my ear and he goes, what do you think this is going to do for the Bearcats if they shut out Notre Dame? Ooh. And no sooner did the words get out of his mouth then the strip sack and Notre Dame running the ball back into the red zone. Again, in all fairness, we no, were there's no on, fairness. We were on a tape delay inside, so it had already happened outside, which means it certainly had already happened at Notre Dame. We weren't going to change what had already happened 10 seconds, 15 seconds after it happened in real life. You don't know that. We, I, man. <laughs> so, you don't so- know that. Two, two sides to this, Aaron, you were just trying to voice a little extra, you know, uh, uh, a boost to the Black Cats again as they came out to try and hold on to a shutout. And, and Chad, the other side is that Aaron caused the uh, lack of a shutout. So this is I think De- both of you have some words you got to put up with with the staff and the team and all the fans out there. This, well. is, this is why Des is allowed to talk shit and Aaron is not, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Des backed it up, Aaron. You've got a full podcast to back it up as well. I believe in you. We'll I find out. Also, away. also, Aaron is learning the rules of watching a game with Chad. When the game is going on, do not talk to the chat. Oh, the chat. Oh, here we go. Do not talk to me when the game is going on. I'm, <laughs> I'm paying attention. I'm watching. I right. left Aaron you alone at that point. Chatty. I Aaron left you alone. Chatty, as, as we know, Aaron is very chatty. He likes to chat like as the ball is getting ready to be snapped. Okay. And I, I, I didn't have the heart. Until it happened a couple times to say, Aaron, you guys shut the fuck up. I'm watching the game. Mm-hmm. And then he got his feelings hurt and he went outside. No, it wasn't that. Get out of here. <laughs> so, so went I, outside so I could see it in like 10 seconds. 10 seconds you. Before, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of like you in that sense, Chad, because I my my friend actually snapped a video of me at the IU game, sit, sitting. Yeah, like, when you when you went to the IU game when you're supposed to be at a wedding. Well, I, I went to the wedding after the IU game. I have footage of that as well, if you want me to send it to the group. Not as flattering as the other footage, but <laughs> there was a video of me just sitting intently watching the IU game, and, and everyone else that we were with was at the time all shotgunning a beer. So I did not partake in that because I was intently watching the game. So I, I understand what you're saying there, Chad. I'm a guy the, like the Dave. Game I've heard to be watched. Yeah, like I've heard Dave d- does. He goes into his room. And, and watch this game. I did the same thing. That I mean, the NCAA tournament game when they played uh, uh, Missouri. I remember that was all my everyone who I was with went out to the bars before when we were out out on spring break. I stayed home, watched it intently in front of the house and in, in front of the TV, and then I went out right afterwards. But and maybe way. maybe Aaron's good at multitasking and he can talk while watching the game. Uh, oh. The problem I have is 
I don't want to listen while I'm watching the game. Okay. So if you're talking to me while the game's going on, I'm not listening to you either way. I talk okay. until the ball snapped. But again, I've, I've learned what to do and what not to do when watching a game with Chad. And it's we're either watching or Aaron's off talking with someone else. Well, there's, well, there's a lot of rules. And there's a lot of rules that all relate back to one thing. Leave me the fuck alone. The game. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, of what you saw, we're going to nitpick and, and, and get to the nitty gritty here in a bit. But of what you saw, just one general takeaway, one general observation of clearly one of the biggest wins in program history. I think a lot of people are taking it as the biggest win in program history. So what were your just general takeaways just immediately, either as it was happening or right after it happened? The Cincinnati Bearcats are, are here to be part of the conversation. It, it's official. I don't think there's any denying that. You can listen to your Paul Feinbaums talk about how we don't necessarily belong in the conversation yet. You can listen to your Notre Dame fans who talk about, you know, how many things and the, and the ifs, if this had happened, if that had happened, if this had happened, whatever, man. If your aunt the, had balls, she'd be your uncle. <laughs> at the end of the day, um, Cincinnati is is here and they're not going anywhere anytime soon okay chad you've kind of touched on it a lot anything else uh, after you written your bites and, and watched the game and a couple more times and things of that sort just kind of just general observation that kind of maybe you were able to draw after the second or third time kind of taking it all in cincinnati was a better football team yeah like uh, that that's my takeaway like yeah i i get so tired of like well notre dame's quarterback or uh, micah Mc, like look Drew Pine and Micah McFadden, people have hit me up and said this. I agreed. I, how did those two guys not win the Heisman? Those are the greatest <laughs> football players on the planet. Yeah. Uh. Like, just say, I'll get Tim Prisner from, from the Irish Illustrated. He finally mm -hmm. said it. Somebody yeah. finally said it. Right. Cincinnati was the better football team. You know, and, mm -hmm. and I, I, I was on with, uh, with Rocky and Eddie today. And, and Rocky agreed with me. And this, is, this was my take on it. Look. At this point in time, Cincinnati has the better football team because Cincinnati has the experience. Cincinnati has the dudes. Like last year, that was Notre Dame. And guess what? If they played next year, it probably wouldn't be Cincinnati mm -hmm. because they're going to start over again. But the way this lined up in this period of time, Cincinnati had better players. What, what position group is Notre Dame better than Cincinnati? Coming out of tight end game. because of Michael Mayer, maybe tight end. No, I thought I. I mean, yes, Michael Mayer obviously looked like a beast, but I thought Lenny Taylor but, and, and Cincinnati's and, this close to him. If, if right. you put Notre Dame as having a better tight end group, Cincinnati right. was right on their ass. Safety yeah. because of Kyle Hamilton. Their other safety stunk. Right, and I thought Hicks played a, a really damn good game, and so did Cook. Yep. So like. Where was Notre Dame better than Cincinnati? Place kicker? They missed an extra point. They did. Yeah, Cincinnati Colts struggled. They missed an extra point. So yep. where where is this narrative? Like Brian Kelly, screw him. He came out with it today too. We just we just made mistakes. Yeah, you know why you made mistakes? Because Darian Beavers and MJ Sanders demolished your quarterback while they were getting ready to throw. Right. Whichever That's one was why out there. You made those two mistakes. Yeah. Yep. Like, uh, okay. So you made, uh, no, I mean, but I'm talking on the two interceptions, Aaron. Yeah. The first interception, Beavers crushes Cone. Cone, yep. And, and the second interception, Maje rock bottoms 
Buckner, like yeah. I, second off, how do you get Buckner out of the way that kid spells his name? Uh, Bushner. Bush, yeah. Bushner. How, how do you get Buckner out of that? Yeah, but I don't know. Those weren't unforced errors. Those were errors forced because Cincinnati's defense is awesome. Right. Right. And not only did they force the error at the throw for the bad throw, they had guys in position to make a play down the field that made plays on the football. If you want to say Notre Dame screwed up on the uh, kickoff return, okay. That's the so they one. Made, they made one error that UC got three points out of because they got screwed yep. out of the other four points. So <clears throat> I just like Cincinnati's offensive line was better than Notre Dame's. Yep. Cincinnati's wide receivers were better than Notre Dame. Definitely. Cincinnati's corners were better than Notre Dame. Yep. Cincinnati's quarterback was better than Notre Dame. Oh, no, but, no know, doubt. <laughs> Ford and Kyron Williams were about even at running back, would you say? Yeah, roughly. Roughly. Cincinnati's punter was even with Notre Dame. I, like, where was the advantage, Notre Dame, that all these – like, I, 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 that's the part that drives me insane. I, I've been reading this shit since Saturday, and by last night I just had enough. I, I'm tired of it. And, Chad, you can't even just say – say it. You can't even say that – their crowd was better than what the Bearcats Cincinnati's came crowd with. was better than Notre Dame's. Cincinnati's coaching was better than Notre Dame's. That's that's what happened. Like, you know, I, I, that's what happened in the football game. We're, that's what we do, right? We write and talk about the football game. Enough with the excuses. I'm so sick of that shit, man. We heard it against Indiana. Uh, Tom Allen's still talking about Micah McFadden not being in that game for the second half. Mm-hmm. shouldn't you have shouldn't shouldn't you have somebody ready to go yeah I, especially if it's your son <laughs> yeah look cincinnati lost the peach bowl in large part because james hudson got ejected we didn't make excuses for that we said straight up james hudson shouldn't have got himself ejected he did right. something stupid and he paid for it and it was cincinnati's fault for not having somebody ready to go behind him I think my favorite take right now is that Notre Dame wasn't even that good, so they shouldn't have been ranked yeah. that high. Which is which Notice also nobody a bad had narrative. that take after they beat Wisconsin. No, right, right. I so so here's my thing. One thing that that people mention obviously, but kind of goes away with the wind is is this was a 26 game home win streak that was snapped. Within those 26 games, they beat a number one Clemson last year a number 18, and a number 21, Virginia and Navy in 2019. They took down a number 14 and a number 7, Michigan and Stanford, in 2018. And then in 2017, they took down number 14, North Carolina State, and number 11, USC. They brought fans. Yes, Notre Dame sold it out, but there has never been a time that I have had just goosebumps, hair on the back of my neck, stand up straight, then when it was fourth and four, a timeout was called by Notre Dame. And then the, the, the fan base, the UC fan base that was there, starts a Let's Go Bearcats chant. And it was so loud. It was deafening. In the press box, you could hear it louder than any cheer that Notre Dame did the entire game. It was so fantastic. And it was just, it, it was something that I will never forget. It was so <laughs> Over the loud. crowd at the Holy Grail. It was so loud. It was unbelievable. And and after that, obviously, they came back out and, and tried to draw the defense off sides. Really great discipline there. But that crowd was just simply phenomenal. And it's, it's a really big reason why 
the Bearcats had the ability to kind of be calm and be cool and, and, and really focus on just winning the football game. You know, it, Kerry Hoffman said it in his write-up today is, you know, at IU, it was a little bit different. You know, it was kind of hostile. And, and, and IU had that chip on their shoulder of this, this team, this is our Super Bowl to beat this top 10 Bearcat program who's coming into our hometown. Let's sell the place out, be loud, be angry, be assholes, if I'm going to be honest, and then just go from there. But have no water, <laughs> beer. no water, no beer, whatever. No Keep bathrooms, going, but the bathrooms are loaded. No TVs in the Let's go on and on. <laughs> but if you're going to talk about how, you know, Notre Dame gave this game to Cincy, Chad, I agree with you. There was one, there was one play that would have been Notre Dame giving it to Cincy. And that would have been the muff kickoff return. And arguably Cincinnati ended up scoring on that play on a touchdown pass that was called back with an eligible man downfield. So technically did, did Cincinnati give four points back to Notre Dame in that situation? You can right. pick every single thing if you really want to. But in the end, I am all aboard on what, what you're saying. Cincinnati was the better team. I, I mean, when you when you have Darian Beavers, Land Lex, you have Ty Van Fossen and Deshaun Pace getting tackles in the backfield like they are, Sauce Gardner just being an absolute stalwart like he's always been, defensive line getting pressure on every single play, and then the offense building – two drives, two huge drives at the end of the first half. And then, of course, the one that was able to seal the victory. I I don't see how you can pull away and say anything other than Cincinnati being the better team and right now arguably the better program than what was there at Notre Dame on Saturday. 100% agree. And the people making excuses are the people that picked Notre Dame to score 30. <laughs> right. Right. 30. No, I agree. <laughs> and, and you know, here's here's the thing. So last year they took down number one Clemson. I, I know it was a completely different you know offense with you know Ian Book, one of the the winningest quarterback in, in Irish history and everything. Did he spell sort. it B-U-C-H? <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? A crazy <laughs> turn of events. But listen, <laughs> listen to who's on this defense for Notre Dame. It's it's literally the same, uh, not really the same, but it's it's a lot of similar names. The, the leading tackler in that game against number one Clemson last year was Jeremiah Awusu Komoramawa, who I don't know how he did not get called for that, uh, for that roughing the passer, but whatever. Drew White, Kyle Hamilton, Clarence Lewis, Isaiah Foskey. Those were the top five leading tacklers last season in that victory against number one Clemson at home. I, I mean, this is, this is the team, it, you know, offensively, obviously they had – Chris Tyree, as well as uh, Avery Davis was still there. Kyron Williams had a monster game in that one. Sure, the offensive line was different, but there's a lot of players just from that team. Yes, there was turnover, but every team has turnover. But this is a team that they're they're loaded with the talent that they have that beat number one Clemson at home. Sure, no Trevor Lawrence, but still, this was a, a team that is not as bad as everyone is saying they are. And, and one that I think the biggest takeaway for me for, for Notre Dame from here on out is that I think they found their quarterback, and I think now it, it's great for them and great for us if they're able to just ride that wave with Drew Pine all the way and just win every game from here on out. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a monster Notre Dame fighting Irish fan starting right now. So here we go, Irish. Except Ryan Kelly. I don't know, man. I, I, I just wish, like, 
win and just move on. Like the whole backtracking and like trying to denigrate Cincinnati because you got your ass kicked is, is annoying. Like act like you've been there before. Right. Yeah. Quit being a bitch. Like just, just own up to it. Cincinnati right now. Is it a better place? Like, like I said, next year, that's probably, probably wouldn't be the case. Why? Cause Notre Dame's got all these guys gaining experience this year. That would be veterans next year. And Cincinnati will be restarting their cycle of young guys gaining experience and moving up the chart and becoming the veteran leaders. Like that's college football. That's college sports. That's how it works. What about the fact that Brian Kelly refused to even acknowledge the recap that he normally does on Mondays in his presser and just move. If we're going to talk about Brian Kelly, what about Brian Kelly openly admitting that he underestimated Cincinnati's cornerbacks? (laughs) <laughs> the the one thing you probably shouldn't underestimate <laughs> I, I got nothing hello brian like have you lost your damn mind we underestimated cincinnati's cornerbacks we thought we were going to be able to like to attack them and move the ball that's the dumbest shit i've ever heard a coach say well and it couldn't have been in a conversation he had with freeman marcus freeman the guy freeman, on his staff mike Dickens. They recruited these cornerbacks. <laughs> yeah. What? Mike, Mike Mickens, of course, the one that was right there when Sauce blew up his freshman year. Mike Mickens was the reason Sauce Gardner came to Cincinnati. Uh, yes. I, and what? We, we thought we were going to be able to go at their cornerbacks? Next thing you, you know, he's lost. You deserve you know, to lose. Kelly's going to say, "I and I didn't know that that Desmond Ritter was such a winner. I didn't know he made winning plays like that. Oh, God. I was surprised at the end of the game when Desmond Ritter made a play with his legs. We didn't really see that from him on film. <laughs> Maybe he's been listening to RJ Young in the number one podcast. Oh, Anyhow, number, number one show, whatever it is. See, see, that's we don't. That guy's dead to it. We're done with it. <laughs> We're not advertising for him anymore. Yeah, we're not talking about him Tulsa anymore. lost by like fifty at home. As that a guy's favorite, an absolute. To that guy's an absolute troll and does yeah. it just because he knows Cincinnati fans are going to react. I'm, 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 he's out. I'm, he's dead to me. That guy no longer exists. So I, we well, have, you, you got your bump from me. No more. Be gone. <laughs> Be, be <laughs> gone, please. If you were wondering if I was going to be in rare form tonight, here we are. I'm I mean, here we're for what? It. We're we're 20 minutes in. Yeah. I think I've said fuck like eight times already. <laughs> I, I mean, I I think on you this one we're allowed to do what we want. We can do what I, I mean. I call the shots. I, if I if I want to say bad words, I can say bad words. We turned down the opportunity to be in the 24 seven sports network of podcasting because they were like, well, you're not going to be able to cuss. And I was like, well, we're not going to be able to be on your podcast network. <laughs> well, about that, uh, uh, about that, but guys, we, we can't go any further without now mentioning one Desmond Ritter. I finished at 19 of 32, 297, two touchdowns. And of course that rushing touchdown to ice the game there at the end. I, I'm trying to, to muster up, and sure, there's a lot of season left, but I'm trying to muster up a, a player in, in recent Cincinnati memory of any sport that kind of has had the kind of gravitational pull of leading a team 
quite like Desmond Ritter has. And then, you know, showing it out on the field and, and just doing it in every single way. I, he's just a one of a kind athlete and a one of a kind person to come through the university of Cincinnati. And the fact is that he has just been slowly getting better every single play, every single game, every single year. I, I was extremely impressed in his second half. He made some, th- you know, if his deep ball is the one thing that he needed to fix this off season, by God, he fixed it. That, that, that thing is, is a rope to these 40 yards in the air on a rope straight into the hands of Alec Pierce, straight into the hands of Lenny Taylor. I, I, I struggle to find someone that is reminiscent of what Desmond Ritter brings to his team. He's a winner. Yeah, He wins. All he does. No matter what. Yeah. Money on his mind. I'm sure, yes. Never get enough. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, I mean, but that's like, you know. Up. And they say, yeah. And they stay there. And then they say, yeah. Whichever the lyrics Up, are. down, up, yeah. down, up, down. Um, no, I mean, he, he, the, the, guy's, the guy has maintained his cool. He is the pulse and the heartbeat of his team. And I think Luke talked about that leading up to this game and pretty much throughout the first three games of the season. Mm-hmm. This team was still finding its leadership. You know, that, that, that's what happens every year in college football. Right. You lose guys, you know. Derek Forrest was the heartbeat of that team last year. You know, that, that was a guy that this team truly believed in. And like, that was, that was where they, you know, not that Des wasn't a leader last year, but like Derek was the, the voice in the room, if you will. And, and that has become Des and it has taken some time to like fully shift to that. But we're there now man. And to see him after the game. The first thing he says is we ain't done, like, this ain't it. We're not at the finish line. Like it, that's it. it it goes back to my answer about is this the biggest game in UC football history? Are you going to ask that later or do you want me to save it? I was going to ask it later. Okay, I'll save it. But okay. like to see him and his mind in that place uh, tells me all I need to know about this team right. and their ability to play, you know come together and continue to work towards that common goal. And uh, you know, it's 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 special. It's 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 great to see. And he not only is doing the leading with his words, he is doing the leading with his play. I said it Saturday night. I'll say it again today. That throw to Lenny Taylor is the best throw he's ever made. You talk about on time, on target, like with everything on the line, that was as clutch a throw as you'll see. And, and then he takes it himself to, to ice the game. and. That's what your leader does. That's what your best player, you know, whether he's the best player, you know, based on whatever. But that's what your quarterback, your number one guy, that's what he does. He takes control and says, I got this. Des took control, said, I got this. We're not losing. And and delivered victory. That's what you want. You guys talked about it on Saturday, too. Like, he found a way to win, regardless of what they were doing. They were bracketing Wiley, so he found Lenny. You know, they – shut down for the large majority of the game. They, they kind of shut down the rushing oh. offense. And so he took it upon himself to do it with his arm. He wasn't they finding away the field receiver. Like how often were Tyler Scott and Jaden Thompson open? Not very often. No. Alan Pierce was open though, but he found and a way. Guess, guess who's getting bracketed Friday night. Oh, man. <laughs> Alec Pierce, man. Wow. What a game. That, that talk guy. About, talk about making some money. 
I mean, he is he's he's the prototypical outside wide receiver in the NFL. Just yep. someone that that will get open, someone that will catch the ball at his high point. I Alec Pierce, like you said, made himself a bunch of money on Saturday. A bunch. Alec, Alec, Lenny, Beavers, my J, my J, Dez, Sauce, obviously Sauce. A whole lot of people either made a lot of made a lot of money or reinforced the money that they had coming to them. Twenty seven NFL scouts and executives in the building. Yeah, Sheesh. when I when I picked and up you, my and- uh, my credential, there was a separate box just full of the scouts' credentials, yeah. just full. And I was right behind the, one of the Bengal scouts, and and he was like, "Oh, there's a lot of people here," and she was like, "Yep, yeah, by far the most so far this year." I, I wanted to ask him more than last year too, or but I just I held off. I would, would the, Bengals have, the Bengals have scouts. It was there's just Duke, <laughs> Duke Tobin. But yeah, no, I so so I I guess my question now is this: So Desmond Ritter has this game. It's it's not like he threw for 400 yards and five touchdowns, but is this a a game that is kind of just that defining moment where? Now, all of a sudden, the AAC part of the schedule rolls around. And, I mean, not to, to have any disrespect to all those teams, but this could now be the time where the quote-unquote pad statting starts. And – sorry, stat padding, geez, um, starts. What needs to happen for Desmond Ritter to get all the way to the point where he is right there or right at the top in the Heisman conversation? Because it's, it's a question now that is – blatantly out there he's third best odds of winning it it's, it's a distant third behind the top two right now but he is right there in the conversation and now against these teams in the AAC which some of them have some pretty tough you know tough defenses at stopping other teams from scoring is what I'm trying to say what needs to happen is, is it just went out and just absolutely blow up those stats I, I find it hard for Des not to be someone that is going to be invited and I hate to project this far away but it's it's right there in front of us yeah you gotta just keep playing keep doing your thing you, you you've put yourself in a position now he's what third in vegas odds and now he has vegas chance. Odds, yeah. i mean the 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 defenses in the american especially the ones at cincinnati is you know on track to to face he should be able to shred them and put up numbers that make him a relevant Heisman candidate and put him in position. If they finish the job, if Cincinnati's undefeated Hmm. and Desmond Ritter does what we think he's going to do, he's going to be in New York. Is he going to win? I don't know. Bryce young. I mean, quarterback for Alabama right now is kind of a, an an open invitation to the uh, top spot. That or Oklahoma. Look how bad Rattlers played. He's still right there in the conversation. Yeah. But I mean, to even be in the conversation to get invited to New York city would be incredible for this program because it says you can do it from here. You know, that would be, and, and you can do it from here as almost a two-star guy, barely a three-star guy with, with the only other offer being Eastern Kentucky. If you come here and you work and you develop and you listen to this coaching staff, you can be as good as you want to be. Des, sauce, my Jay, like we can keep going. Mm -hmm. Eric's, Forrest, Wiggins. I mean, you can keep going, really. Transfers as well. Beavers. You can keep going. Hudson. James Hudson, yeah. You can keep going. Yeah, you can. Aaron. Brent. Desmond Ritter. Trajectory. 
It's phenomenal. When you have someone who, who says that was an NFL throw, anyone can say that, you know, you and I can say that and just be like, that was a, that was a pro throw that, that right there was an NFL throw. But when Drew Brees says it, I, I think it carries a little bit more weight. Yeah. I mean, he, obviously we know he can be a bit off at times with just hitting people in general, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, again, kind of going back to what we've already talked about, he wins games. And at the end of the day, that's really all you want regardless. I mean, Kobe Bryant won a finals MVP going six to 24. So, I mean, you just figure out a way to win games. You know what I mean? Like that's it. And Desmond Ritter, since he's been here, that's all the dude has done. And when you're putting up stats like 300 yards, three touchdowns against a top 10 team, what more can you ask for from a guy? Yeah, While I mean, winning. His, his second half was Phenomenal. a lot better efficiency-wise. 9 of 11, I think. But, yeah, I, I, I tell you what, he was just a very, very good player throughout the entire game, as obviously we've just touched on numerous times. Um, Aaron, offensively, who else kind of caught your eye? I, it, you know, it seems as if the offensive line is starting to mold together really well. I think Lawrence Metz is playing well. Is, is there someone on the offense that kind of just really took you for a nice little spin? I mean, obviously, Alec Pierce had a day, yes. six catches for 144, as long as 45. Congratulations, mm-hmm. sir. You did it. <laughs> um, outside of that, though, Wiley was blanketed all day long, and Lenny Taylor stepped up, had a career day. I think mm-hmm. this was his best game as a Bearcat in his entire career there. Came in as a four-star guy. Wiley's been highly touted as the best tight end for the last two years, and Lenny Taylor was kind of an afterthought. So maybe that caught Coach Brian Kelly off guard too. Who knows, since there wasn't enough film on Lenny Taylor. But we've known since camp, we've talked about it. I know it was mentioned on Saturday night too. Softest hands at camp. He caught everything, literally everything. So that's why a couple weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, when – we were off two two weeks ago, two games ago, though, um, when something hit off Lenny's hands and he didn't catch it, we were all caught off guard. Like, what the hell's going on? What it, Lenny catches that. What, what's what's happening? But, yeah, he, he caught everything. So that, that's just what the guy goes out and does. So he's another one who just goes out there, puts his best foot forward every single play, and isn't afraid to get dirty for you. And your boy Trey Tucker, that guy, it, it seems like they could throw that one pass to Trey that he ended up scoring on as soon as they could throw at least one of those every single quarter and two of them will result in a touchdown. He squirts free. And I don't know that there's anyone more elusive on the team than Trey Tucker. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton feel bad for that kid. <laughs> I don't, he got, he got pretty I mean, turned, was, turned around on that one. It was, it was decent coverage, but I was, it? I don't know. Was no. it? I, if, I mean, if the he, ball was he ended up on his later, ass watching, he ended up on his ass watching Trey walk into the end zone. Right, so. right. But he had that one boomstick on the punt return, Chad. He is, he is a PTP or baby. You know, just... I noticed, I noticed that in the Florida state game. And I, I, it, I, it clearly was something that Cincinnati saw on tape as well, that if you, and we talked about this Saturday night, if you let him play center field, he is dangerous. Right. But if you force him into coverage, yep. He is not a one-on-one guy. He's a center fielder. He's a guy that that plays in that deep, deep center field safety and can can get to anywhere. Right. But if you force him into one-on-one, that's not where he's comfortable. He's not comfortable trying to go downfield with Trey Tucker. 
No. And, and well, not many people they are. Tried, <laughs> right. And they tried to cut, they tried multiple times to get him out of that center field spot and get him into coverage. And I, I loved it. Well, I mean, it seemed like even if they, if the Bearcats had numerous tight ends on the field, very rarely were they keeping one into block. It, it seemed as if almost every single time that both tight ends were on the field, they were going out for, for, for routes. And a lot of the times yeah. it were those, those scenes just, you know, straight, just go routes. And it, it worked out really, really well for a lot of the game. Um, you know, we, we, we talked about that leading up to the game on this show. We talked about it on the BCJ pod. Like, their secondary outside of Hamilton is not, is not good. They're, I mean, they've got some guys that can make plays, but consistently over 60 minutes over the course of a game, they don't have guys that are like Sauce and, and, and Kobe and, and Arquan. Like, you know, maybe they can jump her out, which, boy, that was almost dangerous, that one throw. That one was so scary. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, in, in past years, Des might have underthrew that a little bit or not, well, the not crazy put the thing is, zip that he had on it. Live, it looked much worse because in SOMO, the guy never even got a hand on the ball. Right. Like, and, and honestly, Jaden should have maybe caught that. Yeah. And turned but it upfield. In real time, as you could see that ball floating out there and the defender jumped around, it was like, oh, no. And they, 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 they escaped danger. When I was watching it back last night, mm-hmm. we, I got to that again, and I was like, man, that like literally the entire Holy Grail saw their life flash before their eyes. Right. But Jaden was the seconds. only one who touched that ball. Yeah. Yep. 10 seconds earlier for the people that were watching outside. <laughs> and then 10 seconds later for the people that were watching inside. Man, they got to figure that out, though. Uh, it, well, the, the so the I, I'm guessing it was it was the Reds, the, the big screen board on Great American Ballpark, mm-hmm. like on the outside, basically where the Hall of Fame is. I'm guessing that they had that hooked up to like an over air antenna. Okay where the grail has everything on satellite and right. satellite is, is 10 seconds behind over the air. So yeah, there, there was a couple of times where, you know, the people outside would erupt and everybody would kind of look at them weird. Mm-hmm. And then 10 seconds later, there'd be a touchdown inside the bar <laughs> and the place <laughs> would go crazy. And then look outside at the people outside and be like, you assholes. <laughs> you know, that, I was out uh, there most of, most of the day. So. That's because you got that's because you got kicked out. You know what that reminds me of was Damn. the uh, which <laughs> what was it the 2014 maybe yeah 2014 national championship game in basketball when uh, it was what Villanova versus North Carolina. Uh, my yeah. one of my roommates was watching the game up in up in his room with his girlfriend and uh, the rest of us were down in the basement watching it. His TV was a little bit ahead. And all of a sudden, we hear a loud, like, no way! And then 10 seconds later, Chris Jenkins knocks down that three to win the game. And we were just like, all right, cool. Really, really cool, guys. But anyway. <laughs> it's a good story. Yeah. It's actually a phenomenal story. <laughs> if, if you want me to get into the nitty-gritty, it's a really great story. It's got a lot more legs to it. But let's talk about the uh, that two-minute drill at the end of the first half. Because... Looking back, the team normally is a little bit more conservative on this. You know, maybe happy with a with a ten nothing score going into halftime. You know, not really risking any big plays for the opposition. Kind of like that pick six would have been a huge play. Go go ten to seven at half instead of what it was seventeen to ten. Sorry, seventeen nothing. But 
what do you think it, it, it means for this team, this offense now that, hey, it, we've got a minute 40 left and we've got two timeouts. Let's go ahead and see what we can do. Or do you think that that after the first run with Dez, if they incomplete that second pass, uh, sorry, that, that next play of the pass, would that be then you call off the dogs? Or I, I don't know, is this is kind of a different evolution of what the more aggressive offensive style that Mike Denbrock's going to use this year? Um, I mean, I do think some of it is, is contingent on what happens with those early plays on those early downs. Um, right. You know, because if, if you do hit one of those first two snaps, then the mentality goes to ultra aggressive, right? Right. Like not just aggressive, but like, let's, let's go. Um, right. And I think that, you know, that I think you go into it with the mentality of let's see, let's call to be aggressive. And then if we can hit one, then we go crank it up even another notch. Um, Boy, Des was brilliant on that bad boy too. That whole drive, so good, so good. Very, very. I mean, they that looked like an old Brian Kelly, like minute thirty second, you know, bang, bang, bang. You got a minute forty left, and you get it done so fast that the other team has to take a knee to go into the locker room. Right, like that was that was reminiscent of the old. Days of, of Bearcat offense, and it, it just speaks to they got so many weapons now. There's so many different ways to hurt you, sir. To answer that same question, I, I just I think it depends on who you're playing and what the situation is. Like, if you're up 21 nothing, 24 nothing against ECU at halftime, Temple at halftime, I don't know that you're going to do that same aggressive style. But if you're in a game where you're fighting and clawing, sure, I, I don't think that at this point they have any way rhyme or reason to say no we can't do this well speaking of fighting clawing let's talk about the defense real fast boy oh boy this this is looking like the defense that we expected coming into the season yeah and and they had their times in those first three games obviously where they were absolutely dominant but this was the game that I felt like they were flying around and really making plays you know when when you have a one-two duo of you know, Deshaun Pace and a Ty Van Fossen filling in for one of the big losses of last season. It's just the way that they played in that game against Notre Dame, open field tackles in the backfield. You know, one was was bringing down, you know, Michael Mayer. The other one was bringing down Kyron Williams. Those are two future NFL players. So those are big time open field tackles that I, I don't know. You're you're talking about two younger players that are really starting to blossom right in front of our face. And Chad, I, I talked about it right before we we went on air. Uh, Deshaun Pace is is a is an example of a player who might not be as highly rated as all of these players that make up the quote unquote what is it the Notre Dame was the twelfth highest rated talent or you know yeah. s- skill numbers yeah. or whatever uh, Deshaun Pace was was lowly rated but he is the definition of someone that Luke Fickle identified that the the defense staff identified they said listen we want Deshaun Pace to join this football team and we think he's going to be an absolute stud and he right now is blossoming into a fantastic player on the defense and for the Bearcats. Yeah. He's a definition of a football player. He gets in the film room. He works on his craft. He's passionate about it. It means something to him. Now I asked Luke about him last week in the, in the weekly presser. And then that was very much the line that Luke said, like guys like that, man, it's just in their blood. They, they just, they're junkies. They want to be good at football. They, they burn 
inside to be good at football. And that's Deshaun Pace. And he's coming into his own. I mean, you know, he's been in the right place at the right time to make two massive interceptions. Kids got to learn how to get in the end zone, though. But he's going to have to he's going to have to work on that. You know, he used to have punt return touchdowns at Coleraine. He's got to got to go back to those days. Yeah, get in the end zone, son. Get one like one more little shift and you're there. You can't leave your team at the six. You, you got to go ahead and punch that bad boy in. Get you that 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 pick six. Uh, but seriously, or, or he's thinking about Dez's Heisman campaign. He's like, if I get forced out of the six, maybe we man. get Dez one more touchdown. So he's a better teammate than a uh, personal the guy, team. That, the team, the team, the team. Together, right. everyone achieves more. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm told. That's what I'm told. Yes. Um. No, you're probably right. He probably was just you know <laughs> trying to trying to spread the love, spread the yeah. wealth around, and and. Get that Des Delaney. What a great play call that was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Notre Dame bid on that so hard. Like, Lenny yeah. was just standing in the back of the end zone waiting for that football. That was fantastic. Uh, in, and in the same sense, the one that got called back with the ineligible man downfield. That was another a, great, a brilliant call. play call. Yeah. Brilliant well, play call. You, you know, when you play Freeman, we saw it here. You better have some magic work dialed some, up. Yep, some ripples. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're just going to try to come at them, you're in trouble, right? You're in trouble. That's where they excel. That's what his whole philosophy is based around. We'll let you move it a little bit, but when we get down here, it ain't happening. Not and on Saturday. Not on Saturday. Mike Denbrock said, oh, yeah, I got I got a couple things up my sleeve. Got some wrinkles for you, buddy. Up my sleeve. One of Alec being, Pierce, he got a lot better in the last year. He's healthy. Watch out. <laughs> and we he showed him. Notre Dame was not aware how talented Cincinnati was outside receiver or cornerback. <laughs> and that's just bad coaching, bad fucking coaching. <laughs> oh, Aaron. So some of the other things when, when uh, Notre Dame people were breaking down tape was they thought that uh, Javon Hicks was a player to fully target because they simply didn't think that, that he was that good of a player. And they thought that if Joel DeBlanco had a one-on-one tackle in front of him, that, that they're going to take the Notre Dame player every time in that situation. And also that Ty Van Fossen doesn't really scare them really at all. So what do you think it means when this defense comes out there? And yes, Darian Beavers had that a, a great game. And yes, you know, the, 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 the marquee players had really great games for the Bearcats, but all the, all the other players as a whole, the defense, just completely dominating. They, they all had each moment where all of them excelled beyond what the talking heads might say. Well, I'm looking at the stats right now. I wouldn't have guessed going into the game that Ty Van Fossen would lead the team in tackles. Personally, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. That's 14 combined for Van Fossen and Pace from the same position. Incredible. They don't play together. No. They don't play. They're not on the field at the same time. They split, ta- they split time 50-50, and they totaled 14 tackles together. ESPN's well, you remember him. those those Darrell White games where he would have ten tackles, eleven tackles, this, that, and the other. They're doing that, and then some. I, it's yeah. it's awesome. ESPN's Aaron, got him at fifteen. You know, you can go to GoBearCats.com and get the official stats if you just go on the game story and click box score. Noted. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm here to help you. It's a coaching Appreciate moment. It. It's a coaching moment. I'm glad we can do this in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather it happen in the 
I'm not comments. sure that I'm not sure that you would rather have this any other way because I think this is right on brand for all of us. Oh, it's <laughs> just absolutely on brand. Learning just right here for you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is a teaching podcast. It's but, like uh, you know, like some hospitals are teaching hospitals. This is a teaching podcast. We teach on the job. But tackles for loss. Tyvian Fawson with one. Uh, Deshaun Pace. Tyvian Fawson had two, by the way. And, and 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 I think UC got that wrong on the official thing too because he got uh, Mayor Mayor right, in the first yep. half, and then he got Kyron Williams on a swing pass. No, that was for a loss uh, of a couple. That you know, was I got one too, and then he got hurt one play later. Huh? He turned his ankle. He got two. I'm pretty. I'm almost positive. Ty got two tackles for loss. I think I, I thought Pace maybe it was another one, but yeah. And, and Pace by the got way, one too. Did you see who who it was that was flipped? It was Arquan Bush. It was Bush. Yeah, I went back and watched it. Yeah. Yep. But one and a Bush. half for Ooh. one and a half for Curtis Brooks, a half for Darian Beavers, a half for Jabari Taylor, a half for Malik Van, one for Maje, one for Todd Bumpfus. You know, I mean, dudes were just flying around. Flying I didn't simple. like that they didn't give Beavers the full sack on that one either. Like they gave a half to Jabari. I think was it Jabari or was it Brooks? Brooks. Brooks. They get they gave a half to Brooks for like just being around as Beavers tackled the guy and he fell down. Right, blew on him. Yeah. The, the other <laughs> half was the was the was the uh, Malik Van and and Jabari Taylor, which which on that play they kind of had their their jumbo blitz package of of Marcus Brown, Jabari Taylor, and Malik Van, and they still got to the quarterback. Awesome. Just the defense have done has done nothing but just shown out. And, you know, especially against Indiana and Notre Dame, they've been just on full alert. And it's exactly what we expected going into this season. So they're just delivering on all fronts. And it's, I mean, it's, it's artwork out there. Literally, it's, it's artwork. Yeah. And, and look, I, I wrote it in the bites. I gave my defensive MVP to Sauce because mm-hmm. it just doesn't get talked about enough how much Uh-oh. Yeah. He took their number one and made him. You got me? Yeah. Oh, you're, you're back. You're back. Sauce took their number one guy and made him irrelevant. Erased him. Mm-hmm. Made him a complete non-factor. What, three targets, two catches, eight yards, and an interception. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, think about that. Three targets. They Somebody threw at him. Three times in like seventy something snaps. I don't remember who it was, but somebody tweeted out that Sauce has been out there for eight hundred plays his career. Dane Brugler, uh, yeah, NFL draft guy. Eight hundred plays and has not been. I mean, we already knew he's not been scored on, but I mean, just take that into just just digestion that it's eight hundred plays he's been out there. And how many yeah. times do you remember him getting just legit beat? That's how people score. He doesn't get beat. That's why they don't score. Well, I mean, you still can get beat for 30 yards and tackle the guy before he scores a touchdown. Like you hawk him. Yeah. I don't when you went like Alec Pierce had a couple times, he beat his guy. He didn't get a touchdown, but he beat his guy. Right. When do you when do you remember Sauce ever really just getting like straight up one-on-one beat? I that one pass and catch at UCF last year, Sauce was draped all over him. It was yeah. just a good catch. They made a great catch. Right. It was a good catch. The coverage was there. The guy made a great catch. Yeah. That, that's going to happen in football. Which is kind of like the Kobe play as well, which which yeah, I don't I mean, want people to, to... – I, I thought I thought the only mistake there 
I thought Kobe turned outside, anticipating the ball to be a little more towards the middle. Yeah. I think if he turns inside towards the sideline, right. He's got a better chance, maybe with his left hand to knock it away. But that's nitpicking. Like even turning outside, he still had his left hand in between the guy's arms to knock it away. And the guy made a play. Had was to. it, guy was it play. a push off? Was it a push off? No, the guy made a play. Right. Right. Made a good play. Right. right. Kobe was a little right. off balance because he turned outside. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, I no, I credit to Notre Dame. Like that was a heck of a throw. That was a heck of a catch. Yeah. I it agree. almost changed the, the course of the game. They made a play. Sometimes you make a play, and it's it okay to, t- to tip your cap to the other guy and say it they is. made a play. I mean, these are these are big-time players we're talking about here. <laughs> Some of the highest-rated recruits in the country that's we're talking what, yeah, about that's here. that's right. That's right. Some of the highest-rated <laughs> so, recruits in the country. So, yes. Big-time players make big-time plays. That guy yes. made a play. I completely But he didn't made. make it on sauce. No. <laughs> and and when you have Mike Tirico and Drew Brees mention your name probably more than anyone else's name, Sans Desmond Ritter, you know you're a big time player. You know they had soft I mean, circled and highlighted, no doubt on their on their play cards. In terms of NFL projection, he's the number two guy in the field, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could. You know, when Mayer becomes draft eligible, you could make a case that he might end up a little higher than where sauce is going to go. But like, as things currently stand, the only guy projected to be, you know, above sauce Gardner and in the NFL is Kyle Hamilton. Right. And Kyle Hamilton couldn't even guard Trey Tucker. Got him. (laughs) I'm telling you, throw, throw that pass play to Trey Tucker one time, every quarter, (laughs) it will result in a touchdown twice. And it would result in me winning our projections at the beginning of the season <laughs> when I said that Trey Tucker was going to have the most catches on the team. Right, right. I, you're, you're just a it's little bit behind great. on that one. It's okay. It's not looking great. <laughs> Alec Pierce right now, like if we go off the last two games. Sheesh. But I, that's the fun part about this offense is you're going to see this ebb and flow like we've been talking about, right? Right. The first two games, those field guys. Yep. Yeah. Made plays. So right. then Indiana and Notre Dame, all of a sudden, well, we got to we gotta cut off the field guys, and everybody's cutting off Wiley. Well, now maybe Lenny is the guy that they bracket, and now maybe Alec is the guy that they bracket. And now Michael Young and Trey Scott or, and, or Tyler Scott and uh, Jaden Thompson are open, and now Wiley starts finding some space. Trey Scott believes to his core he could have been a star. Football team, though, so maybe that's why his name jumped into my head. He Ever truly, is, in every fiber of his being, he could have been a high major division one wide receiver. I was going to ask receiver or tight end. Receiver. I mean, that's six seven out there. <laughs> Golly, people. Golly. I mean, I, I'm not one. Would you doubt Trey Scott and doing anything he puts his mind to? I mean, the, if if he if he goes for a ball like he did rebounds in that Memphis game, then no, I I would not doubt. Anything that that man could do. No doubt. Trace Scott could tell me, like, in, in 20 years, I'm going to be president. I would be like, I mean, okay. it's a long shot, but I believe you. You know what, if man? you believe I'm, it, I I'm, believe I'm all it. about that. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, let's do it. But, and, and of course, Tavon Fawson, you mentioned eight tackles, Aaron. All solo tackles. That is a, a crazy set right there. Well, the uh, the little, little stat broadcast has, has eight. 
Interesting. UC has seven. So the the, yeah. the official box score is seven unless they went back and changed it and they didn't add the tackle for loss on that because we had two tackles for loss. I saw it. I seen it. See, now I we're starting to, we're getting to the nitty gritty. Uh, and my J Sanders yet again in another game without a sack, but gosh, he is, teamed. Just, he is extremely disruptive. And, you know, we talked about how, you know, Brian Kelly's not going to keep extra players in to, to, to block this defensive line, but he did all a lot. He kept running backs in. He kept, he brought tight ends and just to pass block. And so uh, that just, they were running volumes. two running back sets just to, to yeah. chip. Right. It just speaks volumes of, of this defensive front. And, you know, Curtis Brooks is just – he is having himself a year. He is in the backfield all the time. And, man, he is he, he's a doggone good player. Um, let's touch on special teams real quick, and then we'll do the uh, final football question and wrap it all up. Uh, I thought Mason Fletcher was, was phenomenal. Um, Chad, he won your special teams player of the game. But, man, that, that one punt, the opening one where – the field position could have kind of been swung a little bit in Notre Dame's direction after they were, you know, after Cincinnati took over after the sauce interception, he, he boomed that one. Okay. We, we have to do that anytime we talk special teams. I like it. I like it. Well, well, well here we are. Special teams. The rake. <laughs> Mason Fletcher. He's very I, good. I, I thought he was, and of course, that, that one that was that was a touchback. You mentioned it in, in the write-up as well. It, it should have been down at the one or, you know, the two or the three. Um, we'll do it as background music for the rest of the segment. I like That's it. Funny. I like it. Uh, he's really just been what this team needs to kind of be just what James Smith was. And then we get to the other part of the kicking game. So, or is your guys's Aaron? You you bring that up, and there was some stuff going on on Twitter today that I wanted to address because people were talking about he's 16 of 31 in his career. Why is he still the kicker on this team? All right, let's let's break that down. Okay. So back oh, I like in this. oh I yeah. like this Aaron. Okay, in 2020 he was seven of ten. In 2019 he was two of three. Now if you're looking at those two years combined, he's nine of 13. And no one is saying you don't deserve to be a kicker at nine of 13. For- and in 2019, remember, he was a long specialist. He was coming in and knocking in 43, 43 yarders to 50 yarders. So, yeah, I agree. Continue. So, so then back in 2018, he was five of 12. He was a freshman. He was five of 12. Okay. That's fine. You can, if that's your argument, I'm not necessarily here for it. Now, this season, he is two of six. And that's, while not ideal, it's also not his body of work. So for all of the people who are like, what's he still doing as your kicker? Correct. He's got some things he needs to work on. He may have a case of the yips. But again, over the course of the last two seasons prior to this one, that's not his body of work. So we all know that I'm not shy on knocking special teams, but I don't know that I'm ready to say Cole Smith should not be the kicker for this Cincinnati Bearcats football team. He's just got some shit he's got to work out. Chad, they, they've got a very tough decision to make here. 
because Cole Smith has won you football games. Yes. Like legitimately won you football games. Yes. But AC championship. But this there's a lot on the line in right. 2021. Like there, there's a lot on the line. And you're gonna have like the, the thing with Cole is he's good in practice. Like he doesn't really have the yips. He doesn't have the yips in practice. Right. So you have got to figure out if you can get him out of this mental funk. The problem with that is where that is tricky is to get him out of a mental funk. You have to put him on the field and keep trusting him to make kicks. Right. What better team to do that than against Temple? <laughs> I, I, look, Temple has is bad, okay? But their over-under win total in Vegas for the season was 1.5. Vegas set the number at 1.5. They also hadn't three. seen their freshman quarterback at this point in time. Quarterbacks, they, they run two. Um, last game. The last game they were mostly one, but the game before that that they won, they used the other one. All right. So you have to be prepared. They're they're both dual threats. Uh, they're they're both kind of the same, similar guys. So it's not like a, a drastic. One's a pocket and one's a, a runner. You know what I mean? Not like Notre Dame uh, tried to throw at them. <laughs> how about how how about how bad did uh, Bobby Boucher look trying to run the quarterback, run the ball as a quarterback? Well, my J just knew look. it was coming. Yeah, because he time. can't do anything else. Um. But you've got to decide, do we, A, need to figure out what else we have? Because if you, if you try to figure out what else you have, that goes counterproductive to trying to build back up Cole's confidence. Oh, right. No doubt. So as a coaching staff, Brian Mason and Luke Fickle have a tough decision to make. Do we try to get Cole out of this funk and get him back to being the guy we know he can be? Or do we decide we have to find out what we have in Alex Bales and Christian Lowry? Bales being the most likely. Uh, Bales is the guy they've turned to on kickoffs when, when Cole was struggling to keep it in bounds. Bales has done a really good job in that role. Bales has a very big leg. Um, it, it, it's going to be interesting these next two weeks to see what the stand because it's going to be evident, right? They're, they're, they're one of three things is going to happen. They're going to say, screw it and go for it on fourth down until they are at the, you know, the five yard line, or it's going to be Smith and they're going to try to work him through it. Or it's probably going to be bails and they're going to see what they've got with a, with a secondary option. So I, I don't know the right answer right now um I, I i struggle pulling the plug on cole but i also know he missed two kicks in a game that it almost came back and bit you in the ass you know and, and two makeable kicks like th those are both inside 40 yards um they were on opposite hashes he pulled both of them left like you've got to make the, and you've got to, you've got to make it with authority. You've got to make this decision on what your path forward is going to be. Um, I don't know the answer right now. I, I, that is one I need, you need a lot. You'd need all the practice data. You'd need all the, the data points you would need what the meetings with Cole looks like, look like 
you know, behind the scenes, how is he responding? Is he struggling through it? If he's mentally struggling, I think you have a tough time running him back out there. If he's confident and saying, look, I got this, you know, don't worry about me. I'm going to be fine. I got this, you know, maybe the decision is different. So there's a lot of information that is needed behind the scenes in going into this decision. It's not an easy one. Like this is, this is, we are at a point with place kicking that we talked about going into this season. There's not a whole lot of decisions to be made with this team. Right. You know, there's just that everything is so kind of set that there's, there weren't a lot of decisions to be made. You now have a decision to make a kicker yeah. uh, and it's not an easy one. It's not an easy one. I also uh, want to piggyback on that and just say that I don't know that going on to social media, whether it be your Facebook groups or whether it be Twitter or anything like that. Facebook, there's no Facebook anymore. And Facebook, and just, doesn't, Facebook okay. doesn't exist. And just publicly shitting on a kid who's missing kicks is the way to handle that particular moment of frustration with a college kid. So I don't know, just I feel like we're better than that as a fan base. And I'd love to see a little bit less of that, but that's my two cents. Yeah. Um, you know, I, to, to piggyback on the Facebook thing, man, we almost had the, uh, the great reset is what I'm going to call it. You know? <laughs> that would have been awesome. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with, with Chad, what you're saying, the whole confidence thing. I, I've never been a kicker. Aaron would be a kicker. All right. I'll just stop talking. So they play this on third downs now. Good day. Going into the going into the fourth quarter. That's what people want to know. They want a new fourth quarter song. They want shout out. They want I think something this, else in. This should be the kickoff song. It is the kickoff song. Like every I'm in the box now. I don't hear anything. Yes, this is the kickoff song. This is how this song became a cult hero song with the fan base. This is what they play on kickoffs. I just know it from camp. I just I thought it was just camp. I'm in the box. I don't hear anything. You got to pump it up, Aaron. Sometimes you just got to pump it up. Don't you know? I get pump it. Pump it up. All right. Let's uh, I I don't have all night here. So let's let's wrap this up. I think the answer is Cole Smith. Uh so okay. He was great in camp. The practices that I went to and the reports that you wrote as well on, on the other practices. I, I thought he boomed him through the uprights pretty easily. Um so I don't know. I'd just get through the yips and 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 get it figured out. Um but yeah. Right. Do you want to ask greatest greatest game you see game of all time? Yes, that was my next question. Instead, we've been pumping it up for five minutes. <laughs> so, was this? You, you got to get the people what they the question want. Has been floating around. The uh, scenario has been floating around, obviously, and and you know you heard Mike Trico say that Dan Horde and him during over a, a nice breakfast mentioned that uh, you know this is the biggest game and and in, in, in UC history would be the biggest win in UC history. So, Chad Brendel, Aaron Smith, is it? We don't know until the end of the season. You st- that's my answer. You stole no. my answer. You didn't answer quick enough. And you knew that was my answer. Didn't know that was and, you answer. St- and you still stole it. Still stole it. Because it's the right well, answer. I know. It's the right answer. All right, let's hear your reasoning, Aaron. I, I, that's Chad's department. <laughs> Look, if they finish this and they go undefeated through the regular season, 
whether it's college football playoff or New Year's Six Bowl or, or whatever the case may be, this is what springboarded this team into the top five. This is a signature road win over a top five program in the history of the sport. Mm-hmm. And if it is the catalyst to an undefeated regular season and an AAC conference championship title, then yeah, it's the biggest game in the history of the program. Uh, but if there's, if they, if they trip up along the way, it is a historic win in a season that didn't end up where we thought it was going to end up. And that devalues the importance of the win, right? Like Mm -hmm. the reason that pit win was so important was because it did open the door to them playing for a national championship, even though that door was closed, you know, fairly shortly thereafter, but it did open up that door and it did show that that could happen here. And this is the next step. You know what I mean? Like, this is the next step. At the very least, it it propelled them into the national conversation for now. I mean, for the first time, for the first time since the Sugar Bowl, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, last year they were, they were very much in the conversation, but the, the, they were treated like an outsider (laughs) because they weren't allowed to play anyone at a conference. (laughs) Yeah. So this, this gives them that opportunity and if they take advantage of that opportunity then it's an opportunity seized and it magnifies and amplifies the magnitude of this game it's a lot of big words there i'm kind of proud of myself on that. i was waiting for a tenfold at the end (laughs) um but if not it's a great win it's a historic win it means a million things for the program but it's not bigger than pit if they don't finish the job yeah i'm I agree with you guys. Um, you know, I, and, and from here on out, go Drew Pine, go Brian Kelly, go Marcus Freeman, go Fighting Irish, go win them all, guys. Go win them all, because by golly, we need it. And also, SMU, go Ponies, go Mustangs, win them all until we see you. I won't say win them all in, because I've, in, in late November. What, I won't say that? win them all because I've already seen Ohio State jump Oregon, so I won't even say win them all. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Oregon wins at Ohio State, and and they're both now one loss teams. And Ohio State is ranked. God forbid, bias, Cincinnati, right? God forbid, Cincinnati fans celebrate a win, by the way, over a top ten team because Ohio State fans are not here for it. Gosh, I you know part of me wishes that they could just pick pick the four teams to play in the college football playoffs after next weekend because then it would be it would be the. Georgia, Alabama, then it would be the winner of Iowa and Penn State, and then Cincinnati. So let's just end the season after next week. I am down for that. But uh, yeah, no, I, no, I agree. I'm uh, I'm all in with what you guys said. Just uh, some things really gotta gotta go the Bearcats way from here on out. And chaos has been happening in college football, so I think uh, hopefully it'll be able to continue. Here for that. Here for that, including chaos in the AAC. Man, wow. Oh, Navy Temple, golly. All right, uh, you guys ready to move on to basketball chat? You were at practice, just want to know, first off, how cool is it to be able to be back at practice? And then second off, um, any uh, any little insights? Because I heard the, the little birdies flew away, and now you are Big Bird, and you are able to to be the tweet tweeter there for us. Yeah, I've unfortunately had to leave today. 
I couldn't stay. I went, I was there for media day. Mm -hmm. There was some stuff that was going on and I had to, uh, I had to go early, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, but, uh, I will have plenty as we, we get through, hopefully as things get maybe a little bit back to normal as we get through to, uh, towards the, the start of, uh, the season. Um, I, I did catch wind that if there were to be a super secret scrimmage out of state against a football program that maybe the the team has already played, whose coach happened to drop uh, the intel that there would be a super secret <laughs> scrimmage, that I okay. not that I confirm or not, but. Candy striped pants, just yeah. hypothetically, I've heard that that could have if it were to happen. Not that I can say it is happening, but if it were to happen, it would be sometime in the vicinity of the day after the UCF game. Yeah, but are they going to be selling tap water for five dollars? Warm uh, tap water just to the teams. Well, just to will there be TVs in the concourse? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> probably not fair enough, fair enough. although the, that was the, that that building has been recently renovated so there might be tvs in the concourse there might be there might be yeah, there might be but i i will tell you this it, it probably won't be the first sellout since 2017 or 2014 or whatever it was so and they probably won't have assholes dumping over the uh tailgate table of 70 year old uc fans either it's Ooh. a bad look for your alma there brent yeah yeah, we call those the losers. Those are the losers that are on campus. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, uh, so unfortunately, nothing to. I was I was really excited to be at practice today, right? And then something derailed came up. Something derailed that with our uh, housing situation. So I had to uh, had to get back home to handle that. But understandable. But yeah, you got to, you got to talk to Josh Reed last week, Brent. Brett yeah. talked to Josh Reed. Brett. Brett talked to Josh Reed. So man, you talked to him. Job. You talked to him at the UA thing. That's what you had said on. Yeah, on I Saturday. talked to him. At the, I, I watched. I scouted him and then and then talked to him at the uh, the Under Armour finals in Indianapolis. And that is a very smart kid. Summit Hills is where they played eighteen, by the way, where they played golf. Wes and, and Josh. I know a lot nice. of people were were asking about that. Summit Hills Country Club is is where they played. Man, I, and did they play all eighteen? Did you get that intel? I, I don't know. I, I would because guess nine. That is a yeah. long time. Just those two yeah. just out there swinging wrenches, man. I, tell you I would guess nine just because of how tight the time schedule is on an right. official visit. But if they played 18, more power to them. I yeah. mean, that would be, that's like, that's a good four hours. Even if they got through it real fast. Yeah. Even if they're cruising, that's four hours. Yeah. Out on the links. So Whew. I would guess nine, but I, I don't know that for sure. Uh, you know, it, it, um, can you think about another recruiting class? I, what has has there been a recruiting class this strong since what two thousand seven or something like that? It's it's just crazy how. Um, I mean the 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 different differentiator and and this being something I've I've talked a lot about over time, like the sweet spot in college basketball today for a place like Cincinnati is you need two top 150 level kids 
mm-hmm. in every class. Right. Like, it, it, you know, you're going to have your developmental guys and, and that's how that's, that's just how it's going to be. But the reality of it is you need a couple top 150 level kids in every class. And you're talking about right now, they got three because Sage is what, 157? Like he's right on the other side of the cut line. That's for me, that's a top 150 level kid. I'm looking at it right um, now, 160. Okay. So, yeah, there's been some movement. Uh, when he Three committed, he's 157. Players, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, if you're in that range, that's the sweet spot. That's where you want to be. And, and, and you got two guys. I think with a lot of uh, three, I mean, all, all three really with a lot of growth upside long-term, you're not getting guys that peaked as sophomores and juniors and are kind of falling mm-hmm. back to the pack while everybody gets better. You got three guys that are kind of on the upswing. Um, so I, I think they did a great job. I mean, right now you couldn't possibly, if you're a fan, you couldn't possibly be more happy with, with where things are at. And I heard in, in South Bend, there were people going up to us and saying, coach, Chad Brendel really likes Josh Reed. We're excited about him. <laughs> Fair enough. Three, uh, three top 25 recruits all time since 247 has been tracking that. Uh, you've got Josh Reed ranked higher than I, I know rankings are, whatever, Keith Williams and, and Jacob Evans. And then, of course, Daniel Skilling's ranked higher than the likes of Gary Clark and Tari Eason, among many others. So I just it's been phenomenal what Wes Miller has been able to do in such a short time. And these are recruits that, you know, him and his staff kind of had to start from the ground and really – recruit I go out there and get the job done because i mean i obviously some of the assistants had prior connections but in a large part I, you know west miller's not coming from you know an assistant at a big name school and had these prior connections it's just you know him doing him and he's been beyond impressive ever since he's taken over um yeah equally, hopefully he, next week hopefully yeah. next week i'll have more practice nuggets but the team's all there so that's uh yeah, everybody's there. Everybody's practicing. It's good. Right. That's that, that's the main thing to pull out. Um, Aaron, real quick in football, obviously the uh, biggest talk is uh, someone who was at the ND game. Would it, would you technically consider it for a Cincinnati visit at Notre Dame Stadium? Not if his brother plays for the opposing team. I don't know. He's got he's got a couple other you know really close friends, Sour Patch kids. <laughs> You could consider them uh, upwards there. They've known each other since. But he a very wasn't there to age. watch them. He was there to watch his brother. So no, I wouldn't say it was a Cincinnati visit. Oh, he was there on an official visit, though. Correct. Paid for by Notre Dame, not right. for Cincinnati. Oh no, I'm, I'm just saying. I, Sonny Styles got got an offer. Chad, you mentioned it. Now all these players <laughs> were there. One of their biggest, you know, all the people coming in for this official visit at Notre Dame Stadium now Cincinnati. Give them the quick call. I, I, I mean, I think it's something of note, something to talk about. It's something to talk about. Sure, I still think the, the odds are uh, long. Yes, that I mean, Ohio State and Notre Dame have, have been in this one battling each other for a long, long time. Uh, but I think it's pretty cool that Cincinnati's throwing their hat in the ring and saying, "Look, why not us? Why right. not tell right. us no? Like that's that's what you do in this situation, right?" You make yeah. the kid tell you no. Right. 
Let's give them something to talk about. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> well, I was wait, I, I was ready to drop it when you guys were saying it rapid fire, but I didn't want to interrupt, so I I, I waited. <laughs> well, speaking of waiting, no more time to waste. Let's dive into the mailbag. We've got a good time. We've got let's 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 power through, if you will. I've skimmed through this. I don't have a, a many questions to a lot of or answers to a lot of these questions. So All right. I'll do what okay. I can. Well, not necessarily a question, but can Chad please put to bed the possibility of the indoor practice facility going on the soccer field or shakily? A lot of folks seem to think that is still a possibility. I, I don't believe it to be a possibility, but I have not heard specifically what the plans are, so I'm not going to rule it out. Crazier things have happened. We beat Notre Dame as a favorite at Notre Dame. So, oh, you're welcome. I, I just it doesn't make sense to me to like you've got to spend money on demolition on something that costs a lot of money to do like it does, and it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to put it there but until i see official plans i'm not going to say no to anything i'm just going to say i don't think it's right it's not something i've heard feasible is feasible as an option how do we celebrate the big win uh i did the the after dark thing uh the happy hour and then uh, I started writing Brendel's Bites and got about half, three quarters of the way through it and went to bed. I had a couple beers. That was it. It's a calm and night. I had a couple drinks after I got home, gave myself nicotine poisoning and threw up from about 4 to 6 a.m. Wow. Impressive. Um, I, uh, I hit you a wanna, deal. Do you want to explain the nicotine poisoning <laughs> thing? This is, a ca- this is a cautionary tale. It really for anyone, is. For anyone thinking about vaping. So I I vape and I fell asleep with my vape next to me in my bed and it ended up open. The top opened up and some of the juice fell out. I wasn't super hammered. I was literally pretty good and nicotine can penetrate through the skin. um, Anytime you you touch oil. And absorb into, yeah. And absorb into into your your bloodstream. bloodstream. Yeah. So essentially me spilling this whole thing on the bed and it absorbing into my skin Aaron slept on a carton of liquid nicotine. (laughs) It gave me nicotine poisoning and I threw up like I've never thrown up in my life. I was, I'm I'm sure my neighbors heard me from the hours of four to 6 AM. I was dry heaving. I was retching everything up. I was literally the point where I'm just spitting up bile. It was horrendous. And uh, that vape will be nowhere near my bed. Probably never again, but there's there, nothing's ever certain with me i mean i've seen it a couple times on the pod so it's not like it's completely goodbye oh no i'm, I'm still gonna vape it's fine i'm just saying <laughs> it's probably not gonna be in my bed but again are, I, are you feeling better oh yeah i mean it, again it was just like my body had to get this out and didn't know what to do with it all and it was just it was just me being dumb and it should honestly surprise nobody so for for skins who always well, wants to well, talk about how i'm going to die uh, it very well, maybe <laughs> nicotine poisoning. Let's let's sure hope it's not. Uh, so I was at, I was in Notre Dame. I was I was in South Bend. Uh, hit up the old Barney Stone is what it's called, the uh, local college bar establishment, and uh, you know just continued the business trip and and closed that sucker down until uh, three a.m. Yes, there was a heavy amount of Bearcat fans there. It was a uh, it was a strong showing all the way until the break of dawn celebrating and, and i tell you what a lot of notre dame guys were walking up and saying i love cincinnati i respect you guys 
we're we're fans so you know what hey in the end i think we're all winners i feel like that's the general consensus is that everyone thought that notre dame fans were very hospitable and just very welcoming in general well don't get me wrong i think someone to fight uh you're always <laughs> going to get those guys but uh yeah i tend to be a pretty level-headed nice guy and i, I put my arm around him i say hey it's all right buddy drew pine baby drew pine season let's go and then they <laughs> And they ride that wave, and we have a great night. So, yes, it was fun. It was a blast. So you put your hand around and go, hey, how y'all doing? Yeah, actually, I do. Notre Dame fighting Irish, how are we? Uh, <laughs> yes, something along those lines as well, yes. It was very fun. Had, had a blast. All right, is the decision to play 10 yards off receivers Kobe's or Trestle's? It seems like Notre Dame was targeting him in the fourth quarter. I know you talked Do you think song. Kobe decides that? I was going to say, I know you touched some of that on, uh, on Saturday on the, on the, that's, 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 it's, it's the system that Trestle runs. That's, that's how he wants his, his field corner to operate. I don't love it, but it does, you know, keep everything in front. And Kobe still does a nice job in coverage. Um, even when he's playing seven, eight, 10 yards off, uh, I prefer more aggression. I prefer straight press man across the field. I, but there are also a lot of coaches that are well aware that that is a very dangerous strategy and you have to be damn near error free at all times to play straight press man corner or coverage across the board. So mm-hmm. uh, I get why it's done. Uh, I, it's just, I think the bigger thing for me is I just think Kobe is better playing press um, than he is playing off. But that's not to say he's bad playing off. It's just that he's because of the nature of the coverage, they're going to be able to get some stuff underneath them for for five, seven yards. And then when you get those those looping digs where they come back to the ball with uh, the ability to loop into turning up field. It gives up a little more yardage than you'd like sometimes, but that's that's the design and part of Trestle's defense. We saw it in Freeman's defense. Some um, we're seeing it in Trestle's defense more, but I don't think it's a, an incorrect strategy. It's just my preference. I want to see him get up in, in everybody's face and say, come get some. All right. <laughs> Chad, how surreal is it to see how far things have come for both programs since you started, including faculty's trajectory of programs etc. I mean, I started basically right at the end of Mark D'Antonio into Brian Kelly. So when I started, the trajectory was a pretty rapid ascent. Now we saw a leveling off and then a cratering from there. Thanks, Tommy. Uh, But that's also why I tell people to enjoy this shit as much as humanly possible. Because you don't know when the leveling off is going to happen. You don't know when the cratering is going to happen. And, and that's why it's so important to just like take this in and, and love every second of it because you don't know, like, it, you know, everybody thought in 2009, like this thing's going to go on forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is, this is now who you see football is. Well, yeah. as and my then, man, it, as my man Kanye likes to say, nothing's ever promised tomorrow today. And then that's, it, that's it, true. it is true. It's, it's a very true story. And then for eight years, it didn't get back to that level. Now there were wins and there was some success. And it's not like it was eight years in the wilderness, 
but it was not eight years at the top of the mountain, you know, and, and now they're, they're back to scaling the mountain, the top of the mountain. They're, they're scaling the summit. They're, they're, they're no longer, you know, working from uh, station to station, climbing up the mountain. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at on that, man. Like it's, it's, it's really cool to watch as the highs are happening. And that's why it's important to enjoy them because you never know when you make the wrong hire and things crater and you got to get yourself out of that mess and, and get back to climbing again. Um, I don't want to okay. say there's been a couple of times in each sport that they've fallen down the mountain, but <laughs> at least they had, they had the, the harness on to mm -hmm. pull them back up. I just uh, thought maybe but, you were going to point directly at Gus Malzahn with that comment. You know, I mean, you know, we'll see. It, it, but it's that simple. Like it, yeah. it, 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 it's that simple. Look, look how high everybody was on UCF when Dylan Gabriel was healthy. Right. And, and then they lose to Louisville and then he gets hurt. And now they can't be fucking Navy. Oof. Gosh. No, I, so, so the great, the great Justin Williams predicted Navy not to win a game. Right. And they beat UCF. They did. They did. But and in, in, in scored, I think, like half of their points that they scored on the season in that one game. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, kind of along the, along the lines of what you're saying, Chad, it's, it's, you know, crazy because I was, I got a little emotional during the game towards the did end. Did you cry in the press box? I was on the field at the end. So yes, uh, okay. a couple of tears did come on, out on the field. Um, I would have done the same. So I don't think last of you, I would have done the same. And, and then, you know, um, and then again, on my drive home from South Bend yesterday, I listened to the pod and listening to some of the fans accounts of, of, you know, how they just felt at the end that got me again and shit, I'm, I'm starting to feel it right now too. I don't even curse that often, but whew. anyway, so um, I make up for it. I cover your, your, your curse. Thank you. Thank you. But I, so I get, so this I get was, enough in for all three of us. So, so this, I just took a step back and I remembered like, you know, I, so I did grow up in Cincinnati. Both my parents went there. And so I just remember going to games as a kid and we would all like either get in for free or sneak in and not pay a dime. And, and I apologize for that now to the athletic department, but <laughs> all of us kids would run down, run down right to the, to the Here's front the row. Thing. Hang if out. They weren't checking tickets. You weren't sneaking in. You were walking in. Oh no. Oh no. I, I, I think eventually they started to, but my, my dad was like, here, look, here's an opening. Let's go. So, Okay, that's something along those lines. Guess, but yeah. but we would literally go down to the front row and just hang out, talk to the cheerleaders, hang out with the Bearcat, and then the the best part was just waiting until the end of the game, win or lose, going out onto the field and you know throwing throw, throwing the football out on the field. They let all the fans down, but the place was empty. It was you know just crazy to see how that wasn't even you know twenty five years ago. It's just awesome to see where this this program has gone and. After this win, it just seems like really the uh, the sky's the limit, and to to continue with what Aaron's going with the with the Kanye quotes and other people like that quotes. But yeah, so I that's that's truly how I feel. Um, it was awesome. That was a very emotional time, and just an awesome time to be a Bearcat fan. All right, completely switching gears. What is your favorite '80s action movie, and why does Aaron die as Billy in Predator? <laughs> Billy was a wild card. He. How many times do I have to tell you guys I don't watch movies before you stop asking me movie questions? Well, they just want to know what your fit is. It like, I don't know, Rambo. 
Sure. There you go. There, that's an answer. That was in the 80s, right? It was, yes. I'd go Lethal Weapon. Hmm. Um, man. Was Lethal Weapon an action movie or a buddy, like, it was more, I don't know. I guess it's action. And there are lots of explosions. Movie. And Mel Gibson hadn't completely lost his mind. Danny Glover with getting too old for this shit. I mean, I know we're kind of playing the hits right now, but yeah. I use that all the time, by the way. I bet that's not surprising me in the least. You know, I, I hate to say it when it comes to movies for me, I, uh, I, I kind of draw a line at in the nineties, unless it's like a classic, like uh throwback, like, like comedy or something. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm looking at eighties movies right now and I'm like struggling to see one that I really loved. Well, so was, was Die Hard in the eighties or was that nineties? I'm seeing it. I'm I'm seeing it in the eighties. I think that was eighties. It was the late eighties at some point, right? Yeah, but I don't know that that's an action movie, isn't it? A Christmas movie? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, is it technically a Christmas movie? Yes, but it is much more of an action movie I, than it is I a was Christmas just, movie. Only because that's a, a conversation that comes up every year. Nineteen eighty-eight, Chad. Die Hard. God. Yeah. I All right. Ram- Rambo first blood instead of final blood right because that would maybe that was in the 90s final blood no I think that just I thought that was the one that just came out like two years ago oh yeah I definitely didn't see that one hats off to Notre Dame for a great game day experience way better than IU in addition to the in-game traditions their media did a great job of showing Notre Dame highlights game highlights on the video screen while pumping in music gotta pump it up during timeouts in your opinion what are the things that you see needs to work on to improve the experience at nip i'll let this is for you guys more than it is for me i'm in the box this year i don't even know what the game but in general like like, in general uh number one is win number two is absolutely fill that place up every single time if you know when they do those those pans of the crowd and, and get there early really is a huge thing. I think, because when they do the, the entrance of the team, sometimes the, the, the stragglers to get into the stadium makes it feel a little bit less crowded as, as it actually is once the game gets started a little bit. So I'd say coming early. Um, and then I think if you, I, I don't know, I think it's kind of just the more, I guess more nip at night games. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's something special about those nip at night games and the all black uniforms, but, I mean, I think that I think that what the athletic department has been doing recently with with all these changes that they're trying to enhance the fan experience, I'll, I'll be interested to see how the extra food options and opening up Fifth Third Arena. I think those were just phenomenal decisions, um, and I think that that's going to aid to the overall experience. And I, I mean, especially if you are at a game and you open up Fifth Third Arena, first off, I don't know how how heavily they're going to really be like guarding certain things there because. I don't know, drunken fans walking around Fifth Third Arena. Sometimes maybe it sounds a little reckless, but I mean, I think that they're making the right steps towards figuring out how to enhance the fan experience. I think it's, I, I think they do a great job already and it's only going to get better. I think it's wild that they're making that enha- those enhancements literally like game after game. And it, I don't know that every team around the country is, is trying to make those same enhancements week, not. week to week. Like that's right. That's, absolutely crazy and i think it's fascinating that the university is taking these proactive steps to do something like that Uh, the only big knock that i have currently is just the speaker system and just that it's only on 
only basically behind the scoreboard. If they could figure something out, I think that would help with the people who are complaining that it's too loud, but they have to make those speakers on one end of the stadium reach the other end of the stadium. And if you had some type of central system, I don't know. Um, where You, you can... just need stereo, one right, right. one left, and right. then they meet in the middle. So I don't know. That's my only knock. Or, or they could just pump it up. You got to pump it up. They could. Don't, Don't you know? know. Pump, pump it, it up. up. <laughs> All right. Um, couldn't quite tell what we did, but we either ran a little more 4-3 or a bit of 3-4 with Sanders as an outside linebacker. General thoughts on the evolution of Trestle's defense, followed up with, is Mets becoming the best NFL prospect out of this O-line group? How can you consider not starting him at this point going forward, regardless of Vince's health? Someone told me his hand was fine, but he had it wrapped up to make blocking more of a challenge for him. Um, what was the first part again? That was, that was too long. 4-3-3-4. You saw more 4-3. I, I think they anticipated that Notre Dame was going to want to take advantage at, and try to run the ball uh, against the 3-3-5. They countered with, uh, it looked like a little bit more 4-3 and, and just trusting their corners uh, in space. I also think Notre Dame's a, a lot of 12 personnel, like we've talked about, and a lot of two-back personnel, mm-hmm. um, 21 personnel, or, or 20 personnel, two backs, no tight ends. Um, well, Chad, so, you saw the first play was a 16-yard 16 run. 16-yard run, yeah. Longest run of the season for a running back for Notre Dame. So, so I, I, think that was, I, I think that was the thing with Marcus that we had gotten to that point where he had installed so much different stuff over time that based on opponent, he could draw back, you know, he could call back to, okay, remember what we did against this team two years ago? We're bringing that back this week. Remember mm-hmm. what we did last year against so-and-so we're bringing that back this week. I think Trestle is still maybe a little bit away, uh, you know, a, a ways away from that, but guess who's not Luke fickle. So I think you might, as this continue, continues to go on, especially as you get into conference play, be able to see Luke dip, dip back into some of the bag of tricks of we've used this against this team. We've used that against that team. Um, I think for me, again, personal opinion, not a professional mm-hmm. opinion, personal opinion. I prefer, especially in college, because there's so many different types of offenses. I prefer a defensive coordinator that has four, three, four, four, Three, three, five, like whatever they need to go to, four, four, bare front, like whatever they need to go to. I prefer a coordinator that has that in their bag of tricks. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I really like seeing Trestle say, We think this is what suits us best to defend Notre Dame. So we're going to roll with it. And uh, if that's the, the genesis of what happened, he was correct. So, I like it. I, I like that that flexibility. The second part was about uh, Mets. Uh, Jake Renfro is still the the number one NFL prospect on the offensive line. Okay, but I'm really happy for Lorenz. That is a great kid, and uh, he has worked really hard and put everything he has into learning the game of American football. So to mm-hmm. see him through the ups and downs and then through, I know that like a lot of this, like 2019 was rough on that kid, man. Like his yeah. confidence was shot. He shook a lot of monkeys off his back for sure. 
yeah, I mean, he's, he's come through the fog and he has come out on the other side and he got screwed on the one false start penalty because they let that happen on the other side of the ball and they called it on Cincinnati. And then this time a guy jumped and Mets reacted and they called it on UC again. Um, so uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm really happy for Mets because I love that kid. Uh, he, he's got, he's got a lot of heart. He's a great kid. And uh, I know, I know, I know this means a lot to him to be able to be out there and, and helping his brothers. So, and it, I know he hates Temple. I'll tell you that he hates Temple. With with Vinny McConnell back, do you think that the coaches have to consider leaving him in? We have to worry about that for a while. All right. Someone already started with a fans experience question, but I would like to expand on it. Yes, everyone agrees that Notre Dame did a great job making visitors welcome and convincing people to come spend money in South Bend. What does UC need to do to help convince our new conference mates that we are the place to take a road trip? Yeah, except for West Virginia, it will be a pretty long drive. Does our fan base need to do anything else besides spend money to be highly welcome going forward. Similar topic for Chad. Lots of comments about the Notre Dame message boards going ballistic. How do you keep our board so basically friendly and good-natured even when we are unhappy? What can we do to help you? I know some boards are mostly smacked most of the time, and yeah, they are paying customers. How can we have a different space? Uh, one, if you want others to continue to want to travel, treat people like Notre Dame treats people. What's the one thing that people talked about? How awesome their experience was being at Notre Dame, interacting with Notre Dame fans, walking through the parking lot. You see an opposing fan walking through the parking lot. Don't yell, fuck Temple, you stupid fucks. Say, you want a beer? And that changes the experience. And then word gets out. People still talk about, I know Nick O was still talking about the trip to Oklahoma. And how nice the people at Oklahoma were. You want people to think of you like that. You want to become a destination. Treat people like that. And if you treat people like that, the word will get out that Cincinnati is a place that you want to go watch a game. Because they have the one thing that is the most important in this, right? Nippert Stadium is an awesome place to watch a game. It is. So that part is covered. Cincinnati's a great town to travel to, especially in the late summer, early fall. The weather's awesome. You know, getting into November might, you know, gets a little, a little tricky, but like late August, September, October, Cincinnati's fantastic. So it's a great town to travel to, to tailgate. You have to make your reputation off of how you treat people when they travel to your town. That's it. That that it's, it's it's that simple of an answer. And new new conference, you almost have a clean slate to do so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the only people I, that have really been here is Oklahoma, right? Because well, they UCF, came to Paul Brown, UCF, Houston. Of the shut up, you. I'm well. I'm just saying. I'm talking about the eight schools that they're joining that West we don't Virginia. know. West Virginia has been here, but it's been a little while. Oklahoma has been here, but it's been a little while. I don't think the rest have been here at any time recent recently. So yeah, you have a chance to make a first impression on a lot of those fan bases. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. As for the boards. Um, I think maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe this is, is me, um, overvaluing my impact, 
I think my honesty and, and the way that I talk about things and do things it sets the tone. Like, treat people with respect. Same, a, same thing I'm just talking about before. Like, don't I, be an asshole. I think there's a lot of self-policing, too. When people, like, there start There is, to, of course. When people there's, start a, to, there's a standard that's been set right. of how we act. There's lots of downvotes, and nobody likes the downvotes. So if you if you speak out of turn, you're getting downvoted, like, real quick. Yeah. I, I just think it's important, like, one, Cincinnati's a great community. Look what they've done for me and Kelly. Like, look what they did when we when we were raising money for the tip-off. Look what they did when we were raising money for um, feeding the, the, the first responders and the hospital workers. Like, it's Even a something- great town. Even something as simple as going to the Holy Grail for the watch party. I mean, you, you packed that place. Yeah, it, it's so there's a lot of respect amongst each other. There's a lot of respect in, in, in what we do and how we treat each other and how we act. And sometimes it gets a little worked up. Sometimes it gets a little rowdy. That's the Internet. But enough people are adults. And I, I think one of the things that really helps is we have a, a very – uh, mature board. We don't tolerate people come in and, and, and trolling and acting like an idiot and um, trying to just get a reaction. Like I, I don't, I don't want that to be who we are as a community because it disrespects. Like we were talking about on at the end of the the, the happy hour, like guys like Paul and and Keith and Carrie. Like those guys have been, have been doing this for 30, 40, 50, 60, like whatever. They've been doing this for a long time in this fan base. They've been a part of this. And I think we owe it to those guys to make this place the best place it can be. And I, I also, as we were coming up, I saw the toxicity ruin a couple of other places and, and take places that everybody used to discuss UC sports and, and drag them into irrelevancy. And I, I just decided that's something we, we can't have. Like, we, we have to be civil. Here's the, here's the bottom line, Aaron. We're, we're all on the same fucking team here. Like, we are literally, we're all on the same team. And I think that's important to, like, emphasize that. And I, I think that has been the uh, tone that has been set at Bearcat Journal. And I think the members do an incredible job of uh, policing themselves, as you said. and. You know, I, I, the beauty of it is, man, I don't have to do a lot of moderating. I, 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 I the last thing I want to do is ban people. The last thing I want to do is lock threads. And I guarantee there's not 10 times a year I have to do those things combined. And that just means that we built an awesome place for the UC community. And that was the goal. So let's Very keep good. it. Let's let's keep it rocking in the free world. Oh, man. You got me. I was, I was, there was another eighties reference song. I was going to, I was going to drop, but you, you beat me to it. <laughs> I remember seeing the attention training winter. Wow. Work. I see your face, Chad. Do you want to say the breaking news? Do you want to say the breaking news, Chad? Go ahead, Brent. Wow. I'm wow. So Aaron must've missed you, it. You haven't been able to, to see it probably. Oh, here it is. Uh, breaking news. Former Cincinnati Bearcats men's basketball coach John Brannon has dropped his lawsuit against the University of Cincinnati President Neville Pinto and AD John Cunningham has learned. 
Brandon filed the suit in wake of his April firing. That is Justin Williams. College EAD was the first to report. We have just found the podcast title. Is it? Is it? Wow! Is it Tom Mars secedes? <laughs> That's incredible. The, the, the college AD title after seeking college five AD. million in lawsuit. Yeah, college AD. Yeah, after seeking five million in lawsuit, former hoops, hoops coach has second thoughts. Wow! Unbelievable. Is is that settlement or is that just completely dropping? No, that's dropping the lawsuit. <laughs> I have no words. I I, I, I I don't either. I did not see this coming. Wow. What a time to be a Bearcat fan, baby. <laughs> what a week for Cincinnati. Whoa. All right. I don't, man, we got so much mailbag to get to, to, and to have that fall into our lap. Goodness. All right. Chad, I, I hope you're able to focus on questions in yeah. light of all. I know you can't. He dropped a lawsuit. I, what do we do now? I, we got so much mailbag. I don't know what to do. What do I do with my hands? Exactly. <laughs> Can you believe it? No. Yeah, I well, if you guys have noticed, I've been looking down at my phone quite a lot. I've been watching the screen and watching Chad talk. No it's offense, been, I wasn't watching you look at your no, phone. Well, I know, but I'm just saying if that, that's why. <laughs> Brandon voluntarily dismisses all claims in this action without present prejudice. The notice of dismissal was filed to the U.S. District Court of Ohio on October 1st, 2021. Wow, what, what happened? <laughs> Maybe something was unearthed. I, I don't know. That's uh to dig uh, in that deep though. And then walk away. I imagine Tom Mars still costs money. Those red borders don't come for free. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cannoli. Well, I think we're, we're all at loss of words right now. So, so. so, what I mean, do we just answer the mailbag in the mailbag and and call it a day here? No, just Let, just let's do, do rapid fire or two. Yeah, let's do another. I'm working on something. I haven't. I mean, I haven't looked through, so I don't even know. Just just blast them off. Shit, man. Um, did you have any reservations about Fickle when he was first hired? And if so, what were they, Brent? Why don't you try and answer this while Chad's got some things going on? Uh, I personally didn't because I was just done with Tommy Tuberville, and uh, I was anything. I was I was open for for anything. I could have been talked into any. I, I mean, I could have been talked into Chad Brendel being a good head coach, and I would have been okay with it. So I hear it was offered, but he politely declined because okay. you know he had this website that he had to work on. Right, right. No, I think. Uh, I mean, the only thing that you'd have reservations about would be his his record as the true head coach but obviously that's got a bunch of 
you know, as a, the interim, that one year, well, but it's got a bunch of stuff around it. So I'm no, sure there I, were some people who were, any reservations. Yeah. I'm sure there were some people who were worried about this being a stepping stone school for him when he came in, as had been the case for literally everyone prior to him. Right. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it was Tommy Tuberville. It's, it's worked out. Uh, spoke of the so- close source and Shake Lee's. Actually, a number one candidate, according to a source for the game Saturday, I would take the source to be accurate. All right, we'll see. Uh, Aaron, I can imagine UC will see a pickup in recruiting. Alan talked to a few guys. Have you heard from anyone? For Chad, how does this change recruiting going forward, in your opinion? Well, I can answer all of that. Uh, again, Bearcat Nation 11, the same way that we answer this every week. When I hear things, you'll hear them as well. So right now with uh, the Temple game coming up and it being a Friday night game, um, Things are, are not real. It's hard to bring kids in on a Friday night because that's when the high school kids when they play. Yeah. So um, there's not a whole lot going on this week unless kids have buys. Um, I do know that there are going to be a, a handful of kids, but I wouldn't the expect UCF, the UCF game that noon kickoff messed hurts. up a lot of stuff. It hurts. It messed up a lot. Of, they If that was a 3.30 or a 7.30 or 7, that was going to be a significant recruiting weekend it being at noon does damage does damage so again um i'm putting together my recruiting roundup i've heard from a lot of kids over the course of the last 48 hours uh collecting quotes post notre dame and we'll have that out for you here probably tomorrow ish um any movement on the renaming slash sponsorship of the baseball stadium no all right. Have any players stepped up in the non-conference schedule that maybe you weren't expecting coming out of camp? Any players that maybe you would have thought would have made more of an impact than they have through four games? Not really. I mean, I think we've covered what's happened pretty, pretty thoroughly. thoroughly, right? Like, I mean, Pace, is, Deshaun, I mean, Pace has played probably – Right. we expected him to be pretty good. I think he's been better than pretty good. Mm-hmm. So maybe that, but like, even Lenny um, having a game, we knew that Lenny was going to be a dude this year. We covered him at length through camp. Yeah, like we covered Tyler Scott and Jaden Thompson and Michael. Yeah, like there's nobody really that has been Mets. I guess Mets. I would say uh, Jabari Taylor. I think that he's been a really, really, yeah, I- really good rotational piece. I think the thing with Jabari is once we saw him in that ponder role, mm-hmm. we were, we were, we were pretty right excited about that because the problem with Jabari at, at tackle was Brooks and Brown. Right. Like, right. I mean, could you, knew, could you maybe say Mason Fletcher? Uh, yeah. He's been better than expected. I, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, it's difficult because we didn't know what to expect because we had never seen him playing a game. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that would be fair that he's been a little bit better than expected. Um, but I think it was what we knew about this team, right? There was so much that we knew. Yeah, I agree. That, that it was going to be hard. Yeah, I mean, for there to be anything to really happen that we didn't expect to happen. Very veteran-laden team, obviously. We, we knew most of the answers already. Um, All right, we got a guest. Chad, are you getting – okay, here we go. Wow. We got a guest. Nice. I see. 
We're not going to have him for long. He's in the middle of writing the newser. So we What's got to guess. What the actual <laughs> F just happened? I don't know. You got about three minutes, so. Uh, go. Just you go for three minutes. I mean, honestly, it's not that much. So, uh, you know, there's the docket of, of the case, which is I, I put the document up uh, on Twitter that. By the way, was, Justin Williams of The uh, Athletic, <laughs> at Williams underscore Justin. You know his voice by now. What's up, Justin? How we doing, What's man? up, gang? Um, so, yeah, uh, on October 1st, uh, just a couple of days ago, let me pull it up so I don't say anything incorrectly. Um, John Brannon filed a, a voluntary dismissal without prejudice. And literally all of the documents says, I mean, outside of like the normal legal listing of mumbo jumbo is uh, plaintiff John Brandon hereby gives notice that he voluntarily dismisses all claims in this action without prejudice pursuant to what I assume is some federal law guideline thing that I'm not even going to try and read off. Um, and then that's, that's literally it. And so, so that's it. It's all yeah, he, I, I, I reported, I think in late August that, um, the University of Cincinnati, Neville Pinto, John Cunningham had filed their own motion to dismiss. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly. I think Brandon's representatives had like three weeks or something to respond. And just in mid-September, they filed a, like an extension, a motion for extension to have more time. And they were granted that, I think, until October 1st. Let me find where I'm looking. Despite all of this, I still can't. Unbelievable. Um, You'd think you would be a lawyer by now. You, uh, yeah, you would think they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I walk into a, a courtroom in sunglasses and a suit, they don't give me the respect that I feel like I've um, <laughs> Respect my yeah. time. <laughs> so he was he was granted a motion for extension of time to file a response, and he had until. October 1st or his, you know, brand's representative had until October 1st to file that response. And on October 1st, they, they filed the notice of voluntary dismissal. So again, so I'm not by a, your a understanding. This is it. It's over. Yeah. I, I'm not a legal expert, but as I understand it, um, this is the, this is the end of that case. Now, zero dollars, zero cents, no settlement. <laughs> this is it. Now, I, 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 I don't I don't know that for sure. I would assume that this means there's no settlement. Um, I, I guess it's possible that you could settle out of court um, and and wouldn't have to go through a legal channel. That would uh, surprise me very much if that's the route that the university went on this. Um, so I, I doubt that's the case. And I suppose he he could or his representatives could bring another some kind of other motion or, or lawsuit at some point. Um, again, I don't know the specifics on that, but I think for this specific case, which I mean, come on, we know this, this was filed on May 21st, I think he was fired on April 9th. So, wow, that, that, <laughs> wow. that one is <laughs> gone. Wow. What a time to be. We're just in the middle man. of doing a mailbag, <sighs> you know, chit chatting and, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden I'm just like, wow.
And then Brent's like, oh, my God. And Aaron's like, what are you guys talking about? Because I'm <laughs> reading the questions, man. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. You weren't you were you were dialed in. You were zoomed in on the on the mailbag. But uh, all right, man, I know you got uh, you got something else there. Like you're you're squinting and leaning into the monitor. No, I'm just making sure that I'm, you know, uh, at, at least semi know what I'm talking about. But well, this yeah, is this I, is the difference between BCJ and and Justin. Like we're <laughs> just having fun and uh, doing a mailbag. Justin's, you know, squinting his eyes and pretending to be a lawyer. That's why he's writer of the year. Yeah. Okay, that's the Ohio that's Sports the, Writer of the Year for you. That's <laughs> my cue. I appreciate you guys. No, we appreciate you for taking a couple minutes. Like, uh, thank you. We appreciate it. Justin Williams from The Athletic. Williams at underscore Justin. I'm sure he's going to have an awesome story on this in the morning. Get to work. It'll, be, it'll be very quick and filled with uh, that, that's legal words said. I don't understand. Legal jargon. <laughs> Let the right. jargon there begin. Go. Good luck right, with see you, Justin. Well, so that's that's how... How about Harry, that? How about me for that? Is, that? is that how Harry Potter and the Deathly Howls? Part two ended right. This right I, here. Maybe, I can't. I'm, I'm in, I'm no more. Shocked. He, he cannot be named. No I can't more. wait to hear the the reasoning that people come up with for as to why you bounce on that after digging in so deep and burning every bridge on the way out. Every he lit Ooh. the whole city on fire. How how quickly do we hear that? Chris Mack has hired John Brandon in a supportive role at Louisville. Nah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that you trust, touch, trust I don't me, know no. that you touch him anytime trust soon. I, that was a joke, but but yeah, I, this this does remind me of Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part Two. Right? That's, that's all I got to say. But yes, that's uh, this is an insane finish. Obviously, uh, uh, breaking how, how, news. How crazy it gets. Yeah, breaking news for all you. Pardon my take, friends out there, but. Uh, that's the title of this podcast, though. Breaking Moose. Aaron, um, I, I mean, Mailbag, I think we've done a pretty good job on it. Maybe just, just one more fun question before we uh, close this one out. I wouldn't say we did a good job on it at all, but there's I like would... 25 questions. Left, yeah, there, but... there's still so much. Um, Map, rapid fire. Quick answer. Right. Quick answer. All right. Um, Knowing we'll still have recruit heavily in the 300 mile radius and local. Do you think outside of that, our target area shift into Texas Southwest or would we say more Georgia, Florida, as we try to land big 12 talent? I think they'll add Texas Southwest into Georgia, Florida and the 300 mile radius. All right. Next. Like that, I would, that makes sense. I would like to see UC keep the first team in until mid quarter, mid fourth quarter, every game in conference play in hopes of building up our margin of victory to give us the best chance possible to get into the playoff. However, I know Luke Fickle is not the type to run up the score. So in games, the rest of the way, how much do we see the second and third teams playing? Do we need to be up four more touchdowns before backups get in the game? Does the staff have any kind of guideline they use before being comfortable with mass sub ins? It depends on each game, each situation. Uh, I would like to see UC not have a player get hurt in the fourth quarter up 35 points. And I want to right, see like Evan a, Prater. Um, I want to see more Evan Prater. We need more Evan Prater in game situations. Who do you I'll, think? I'll, I don't think I'm going to be at the press conference tomorrow. The next press conference, I'll ask. I'll ask. All right. Who do you think will win the Heisman, Drew Pine or Mike McFadden? After hearing the way these fan bases talk about them, it must be one or the other. We talked about they split that. Votes. I think worth, they split votes. Worth but, but ultimately, yeah. Desmond Ritter wins. Continue. Yeah. Huh? The, the, those two split votes and Desmond Ritter wins. Tom <laughs> Allen's blood son is still on the outside of the Thanksgiving dinner looking in, wondering how to get <laughs> an right, invite to that table. table. He's at the kid's table All with right. the plastic silverware. 
Hypothetically, if one of the BCJ staff was really secretly moosed to drive more content slash discussion, but accidentally took it way too far and never said anything for fear of Chad's wrath, who would it be and why? I don't know. Todd. Mo- well, it, it would be Todd. Who's Todd moose? doesn't. Oh, you poor soul. It's a realignment thing. <laughs> you poor soul. You aren't, you aren't really. You no, I've, really I've, I avoided that thread like the plague. It would be Todd. It have to be Todd. But Todd. Todd's, you know, Todd's not with the Todd was at the you, you don't know this, Aaron. Todd was at the watch party. I didn't know that. Todd was sitting at the bar and you know the tall guy at, sitting at the bar that came over and kept talking to me. I didn't that was, what, that was, when you when you shooed me away, yeah, I stopped yeah. paying attention to you. I didn't shoot you away. I kicked you out. You banned me. <laughs> I All right. banned you from my table. If you had to choose any animal that was magically changed into a horse-sized version of itself to ride into battle, which animal would you choose and why? <laughs> what a great question. I like that. Yeah. I love that we're entering like the Ron Aaron, McGill. Aaron, who are you taking? The Ron McGill. Yeah, I, I'm going to rhinoc- I want a rhinoceros, a horse-sized rhinoceros. Okay. Because those things are they're mean. Those things are they nasty. Are. Um, I don't know. I mean... If I'm riding a, a Komodo dragon that's the size of a horse, I feel like that's pretty badass. Yeah, the alligator, alligator, the size yeah. of a horse. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going. Did lion. you see the, did you see the like guy lion. catch? Yeah, lion, the size of. Well, did you see the guy catch in Florida catch the alligator in his garbage can? Yeah, that was, pretty, that was pretty Banana badass. Video. Yeah, I think that was in the same thread where I saw an alligator eat another alligator. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> All right, thoughts on Wiley so far this season? Defenses are gearing up to stop him. How about this comparison? I think that he is the offensive version of MyJ Sanders so far. This, this yeah, fair. everybody's that's, everybody's that's loading fair. up. Everybody's loading up to stop him. The the job is for other guys to do what is necessary. To He's still having load. yeah, still having a massive effect on the game, but counting yeah. stats aren't quite there. What was your favorite slash most memorable Halloween costume that you wore growing up? I, I I'm not a big Halloween guy. So I had uh, I had a goofy costume that I wore from like literally oh fifth grade, fifth grade all the way up until my, the end of my college career, but into the post college career, and that oh yeah, you still wear that shit. There's no question about it. I mean, I could literally get it out of the closet and show you guys right now, but that would take too long. We're we're trying to rapid fire through here, but I tell you what, that goofy costume has seen quite a lot. I, quite my a favorite lot. costume. That is, that is the my... most on brand answer I've ever heard. It's like a full body goofy costume. Yeah, no, oh yeah, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I got you. We're on the same page. My favorite costume was uh, <laughs> was the Method Man, Red Man from How High, none with the shades on. Okay, and I think that was my favorite. There we go. I, I was uh, never too elaborate. I just went basic and got the candy. Uh, Brent, did you uh, do you have a, a goofy impression though? <laughs> That was so worth it. I'm so happy. <laughs> All right, next question. Rapid fire. Next question. Rapid fire. What is the actual NCAA rule on pumping crowd noise and music up till the snap of the ball? I, I don't, I don't know. And over the top while know. UC was on offense, lining up or calling play. We'll we'll write a letter Ten to the editor. Ten seconds before snap. Who knows? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Ten seconds before snap. Is that what it's supposed to be? Right. I have no idea. I mean, that's I my either. guess based off when they cut the music off. I don't know. I'll ask this question first before starting a new thread, but in prep for facing Alabama or Georgia and CFP, what is the best five starters for offensive line? I wonder if moving O'Quinn back to left guard and adding John Williams to right tackle would be any better than the current starters. I worry about the SEC defensive tackles. Uh, have you worried about O'Quinn at all this year? No. Has, has anybody 
like outside of one or two plays been like Dylan O'Quinn's not doing his job? If the answer is no, then Dylan O'Quinn is your right tackle. And has Cooper uh, been blatantly bad? I no, I mean I no. have not yeah. no. So if the casual I, I think, fan doesn't know an offensive lineman's name, that's a very good thing. Yeah, I what you've got right now, and you know you you roll with it. If you get Vinny back, you make that decision with Vinny and Mets. Uh, but but you go with what what's working right now. What trap game scares you the most? I don't buy trap game. Cincinnati's yeah. a lot more talented than the rest of this league. Um, there's going to be one that jumps up and bites you, uh, you know, in, in terms of giving you a scare that you don't expect. ECU um, at ECU. Now that it's moved to Black Friday, like middle of the day. Or May, two, I like two. that it's middle. It's three thirty kickoff instead of the like. The problem with ECU is that game had always been black, like a Black Friday, like eight p.m. Yeah, where they had to sit in a hotel all day. Um, well, how about I'm not? I'm not overly like Tulsa or, or uh, Tulane. Tulane on Halloween weekend with voodoo magic. Maybe, but they the <laughs> Tulane Tulane runs the ball for success, right? Like that's what they do. I'm not too worried about a team running the ball against this defense. With doesn't uh, doesn't have a with, six touchdown game as well. Yeah, with four quarters of success against the, this defense running the football, I'm no, no. All right, who are our 2023 targets? Who did the staff go see on the bye week? Again, for the love of God, Bearcats Nation 11. We will tell you as we know, but right now they're reaching out to as many kids as they possibly can to see what kind of interest there is. And until the things start to progress, 2023 is two years away. Pump the brakes. Luke Fickle gave a lot of praise to Notre Dame all week during his press appearances, more than what I was expecting. I think we all expected Ohio State and Notre Dame to be two jobs. When have you never, when have you ever known Luke not to be gracious? Luke's going to be gracious towards his opponent. That's who Luke is. I think we so all don't be surprised by that. I think we all expected Ohio State and Notre Dame to be two jobs they wouldn't pass up. Does it feel like that stance has changed for him, given the Big 12 news slash Notre Dame win, et cetera? Is there any situation where he wouldn't leave UC for one of the top jobs on his small list? Does he feel he can build something here, like what Dabo, Bobby Bowden, et cetera, did? Seems like as of now, he would take Notre Dame in a heartbeat. I, I, I mean, you'd probably take Notre Dame in a heartbeat. It's Notre Dame. Like, I, I say ask know, Amy. Like, ask Amy yeah, that ask question. Amy. Like, she's the boss. <laughs> If you had to guess, how do you expect the coaching carousel to play out this offseason for major jobs? I think it's Franklin to Penn State. I think he means USC. I think you're right. Uh, I think Urban Myers is going to be available. <laughs> That's after, after the second video, and who knows how many more there are. After that girl grabbed him by the finger with her butthole and drug him onto the <laughs> dance floor. Sheesh. All right, next question. All right, why not bring pressure on third and long or even fourth and long? We all got used to Freeman bringing the heat in these situations. Notre Dame converted. Freeman did not always bring the heat in these situations. What I will say to this question is you have to be, you have to mix it up. You cannot be predictable. You cannot always bring the heat. You cannot always drop back into coverage. You have to make the offense think that when, like when you, when you stack, you know, they'll show nine guys at the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. You have to make them think that seven of them are coming. And the only way you do that is by sometimes seven of them come and sometimes four of them go like that's, that's the, the chess match. That's, that's making your opponent think you're going to do one thing and you do another. Like that's, that's, you have to make them uncertain. You cannot allow an offense to know exactly what you're going to do by doing the same thing over and over and over again. 
Marcus Freeman did not always send five, send six. When he did, you remember it because it was effective. You know what also happened? When he sent four, it was effective, but you don't remember it because it was a, a throwaway or it was a, an in, incomplete pass that was broken up by Kobe Bryant that doesn't stick out in your brain as a sack or like a, a splash play. But if you go back and watch those games, you got to be a poker player, man. You got to know, you got to make people think you're bluffing when you have the cards. And you got to make people think you have the cards when you're bluffing. You like that? I think that was fucking nails right there. I think that that's, that's as good as I've done. But on this well, like, like, well, and on the last sack, they, they rushed three guys and they still got to the court. And they still got the sack. That's just, right. Because you know, like you, because you mix it up. Like you, right. you, you make the offense see ghosts. You make them get in their own head. Right. But going back to your original statement, if you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Next question. Hey. I think at that point in the game, it made sense. Keep it in front of you and try to prevent big splash plays, generate a ton of momentum, especially when their quarterbacks are very erratic. Offering Sonny Styles means that they feel there is interest from him, correct? Uh, I think they're just t- shooting their shot. We'll like, see. You know, We'll see. Shoot or shoot. They're shooting shot. I, I would say, do I think Sonny Styles is coming to Cincinnati? Probably not. Notre Dame and Ohio State have a giant lead in this recruitment. If they make up the ground, who buddy? Who <laughs> buddy? Well, he only saw one win, one team win in South Bend. Aaron, in what kind of way would you decide to kill off skins? And <laughs> after, would you just bury the body or put him through the wood chipper to destroy wood chipper to destroy the evidence? I like the wood chipper. This was for you since skins keeps killing <laughs> you off. But really, I'm sure everyone else has thought about it. And don't worry, you will still collect his membership dues. Um, All right. I, I have given quick thought to this. Um, whoa, I would tie. Whoa. I, well, I mean, I was reading the it's question. Killing I was reading the question while Chad was talking. I'm thinking one of those situations where you tie his limbs to four horses and set them, set them all go. That's quartering. him. Well, oh, there you go. I, oh, I think that I think that would be a fun way for skins to go. And that's in just skins. Is it? Kind of. <laughs> Next question. Two questions. Which is the biggest game left on the schedule? And do you think there's any way we get game day SMU. here in Cincinnati? SMU at home. Maybe. SMU went out. Top 15. Bring them. If we do, Dine in Hawaiian needs to present the food. Yeah, if we get yeah. line it up. Yeah. But I'm something sure. tells me Skyline Chili will. Uh, uh, probably. Would Luke, Fickle sign a, would Luke Fickle ever sign a co- lifetime contract? What would Coach Miller have or to Rudy's. do to replicate Luke's success? You know, Luke's not a lifetime contract guy. You know what happens if you sign a lifetime contract? You don't, have leverage. <laughs> you don't have leverage. You don't have any, like, you don't, you're not. No, that's not Luke. Luke's not a lifetime contract guy. Luke's, uh, let's keep setting the bar higher. Let's keep mm-hmm. raising the bar. Right. Why aren't what many was that schools, West Miller question? Uh, what would Coach Miller have to do to replicate Luke's success? Win, Win a baby. whole bunch of fucking games. Win. And then recruit. Uh, including a, a conference championship. Uh, why aren't there many schools who have successful championship football and basketball programs? And what can you see do to buck the trend? Money. Uh, there, are, there are one. Well, one, there are, there are quite a few. Um, there's not blue bloods that are the same in each sport because – it's just not how it works. Like, I don't know the, like the, the, the detail to answer them, but that's just not how like fan base and focus and interest is very hard to equally spread across both. Chad, you saw it at IU. You saw it at IU. Yeah. They pump, they pump a bunch of money into the basketball program. Football program. What's the name much. of that family that puts the money into the basketball The Simon program? Scott family. Symbol de bop de bop. The owners of uh, of of Simon Malls, yeah, yeah. part owner like, Herb Simon, owner of uh, the Pacers, yeah. 
well, the, the those sen- people aren't pumping money into the IU football program. If they did, there would be TVs in the concourse. Amen. The cynic in me says that football only has so many championship teams because, uh, you know, the cartel and them with their preseason rankings and only allowing <laughs> certain teams at the table. And yeah, but it that, hasn't but... always been like that. No, I mean, I think that's the, the CFP era, though. I mean, I yeah, in- but I, we're talking in history, like the reason there's not the reason you don't see. I'm going to teams. Bias. Well, I'm saying the reason you don't see the same historical blue bloods in football be historical blue bloods in basketball is because they're, they're just, there's only so much, like so much to go around. And at certain places they became basketball blue bloods at certain places, they became football blue bloods. And that happened over time in the fifties and sixties and seventies. And it just never really sparked. Ohio state was probably Cincinnati probably screwed that up. Cause if you think about it, Ohio state could have won three, four national basketball national championships in a row in the early sixties. And, and Cincinnati got in the way of that. And who knows how much of a, a force Ohio state could be as a blue blood. If they win the 61 and 62 national championship, and then they couple that with football, but it's just never aligned where the basketball powers had success in football when they were becoming basketball powers. And the football powers never had success in basketball and they were becoming basketball powers because I think at the time there were limited resources. Now there's like, we forget 40, 50 years ago, there were very limited resources in college sports. There weren't $50 million per school TV deals. Right. So you had to kind of focus on this is what we're going to do one or the other. And now the, the landscape is a bit different. The recency bias is a bit different. But back then, in the 60s and 70s and, and into the 80s, you kind of had to pick one. All right. So I'm uh, crushing this rapid fire. I like well, rapid fire. Uh, Brandon dropped his lawsuit against UC. Discuss. Are we going to discuss that anymore? Are we moving we on? We, just, we had Justin Williams on. What else I do get, you want us to listen, do? I, I, do, I didn't know if there was any more to add to it. I didn't think there was. All right. <laughs> I'm going to do my very best. This is a very long question. I'm going to try. I, be, no, we're not going to do it. If it's if it's too long, we're not going to do it. It's essentially <laughs> asking if there's more than the nine players, ten players that Pete Thamel named in his article. If we include Lenny coming out early, I mean we've we've touched uh, those on are this. those are the guys. Like those are the guys for right now. But if somebody else is going to jump into that, like it's going to be through American Athletic Conference play. But those are the guys right now. All right. Uh, moving on over to basketball. Uh, after seeing what Wes and staff accomplished in the 2022 class, is a top 10 class out of the question for 2023? Nothing's out of the question. Um, it's going to be a matter of can you get like what what inroads can you make with George Washington the third? What inroads can you make with a kid like Austin Parks? I don't George like- Washington the third. Thank you. Very sorry for my unfortunate. Uh, lapse I, of judgment in that position. I'm, I, I, please excuse my <laughs> error. And, and, and what if Wes pulls a Omaha? That's all I got to add to it as well. Right. And you, like Austin Parks, I think is a kid that's gonna, gonna skyrocket up the rankings. He had a huge camp this weekend that really jumped his name up on the national stage. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of options. Wes has got a lot of irons in the fire in Atlanta, Chad Dollar and, and Andre Morgan. 23 could be big. Uh, could it be top 10? Yeah, maybe. 
Do I All expect right. it to be top 25 or 30? Yeah, I think they I think they're in position for that. Top I think 10, also, you need one big player. I think it also depends on who's here and how many scholarships you have available. But correct. Yes. Uh, noticed yellow jerseys on some of the players in the video released by the hoops account today. Any idea what that means? Uh, they separate into three teams during like certain parts of practice, black, white, and then the pennies. Um, so it's just a, a way to identify like the different teams as they're doing some of the stuff they do is three on three. Some of the stuff they do is four on four. So you have different teams that work in and out so you can get everybody involved in, in how practice operates. So uh, that's just what the yellow pennies are for. It's not, it doesn't at this point, it doesn't really signify anything. Actually the red being is being used for the graduate assistants who are out there as like teachers um so the black the white and the yellow that's kind of why those are who how they are and the red is kyle and jalen stowe and and uh the guys that are kind of out there in teaching roles that are allowed to be on the floor i think it is a collective universal thought that the practice unis are dope uh what is your fast food horror story do you have one the maddest I've ever been at a fast food restaurant. Um, Taco Bell at one point had these like super fire, like rice bowls, right? It was like rice and steak and like cheese. And like it, it eventually what became like a burrito bowl, like a was Chipotle, Chipotle, right? Was it, was it called a power bowl? Is that what I don't was? remember what it was called. I, th- I don't think it was. I think it was the step before when they had the power bowls, right? Okay. okay. Um, and we had been out drinking in Covington and we wanted, I wanted to like one of these little bowls to like, you know, mm-hmm. sop up some of the alcohol and the Covington Taco Bell is once you're in line, you're in line. There ain't no getting out unless you're going to drive over like a, you know, 12 Idiot. inch curb yeah. to mm-hmm. get out. And we waited like 40 minutes in line to get to the window and I ordered the bowl and they didn't have any rice and they didn't have any steak. <laughs> and I was like, well, well, I, I, <laughs> I don't, look, I've been in this line for 40 minutes. So I know it's going to take me another 25 minutes to get to the front of this motherfucker where the window is like, you better start cooking some rice. Because <laughs> 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 there's still like seven cars in front of me and you guys are slow as shit. And I can't get out of this line. I'm still stuck here for a half an hour and I can't get the food that I want. And and then I got into an argument with the lady. The other one being, and I know there's like, there's shortages that night. (laughs) I I did. I did. I know. I know now there's shortages. Moral of the story. (laughs) the, The, when the big, when the Popeye's chicken nuggets came out, right. If you, as you know, like, why don't they have spicy? When I do radio, I take care of Taryn. Like, we get some food. That's kind of like, you know, I, I've been in those roles. I know how crappy they are. Thing. Like, I take care of my guys. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I went to Popeye's off of uh, Rookwood. And I got in line. And I sat in line. Again, I sat in line for 40 minutes. And I got to the front of the line and they were like, uh, we don't, you know, we're not going to have any chicken nuggets for like 30 minutes. And I was like, look, 
I've been sitting in this line for 40 minutes. Don't you think you could have had somebody come outside and be like, we're out of chicken nuggets, motherfuckers. If you want chicken nuggets, everybody was there for chicken nuggets. Just come out and tell me we're not going to have chicken nuggets. Please don't wait in this line for another 35 minutes. I was almost late for the radio show. Over some chicken nuggets. Over some chicken. I want some nuggies. Like I wanted to try the Popeye's chicken nuggets. We're going to talk about them on the air. We're going to give them free advertising. I've got a true horror story. Those are bad. Those are bad. I I had Golden Corral one time. They gave me food poisoning and I'll never eat Golden Corral again. I threw up for two days. So, So I was driving home from football practice in high school. Swing by a Burger King, me and me and my buddy, Peter, we always would drive home from from practice and stop at Burger King. They had those spicy chicken sandwiches, you know, those aren't so, good at Burger King. So we're I like cruising Burger out King. Their spicy chicken sandwiches aren't good. Well, this is like 2008. So There's, yeah, they still weren't good then. Right. right. So, um, <laughs> so we are uh, cruising along and I, I take a bite of mine. I'm like, man, that was cold. I must have taken like a real big bite of lettuce. Oh, no. So then I took another bite of it and I was like, it's cold again. What the hell? It's too much lettuce on this thing. And I, I looked down and I looked down. It is just completely uncooked. So I said, I'm, I, we're going back. I pull a Yui. We go back and I, I slam. And this is back before I had the cognizance and the uh, wherewithal to take a picture, send it into, uh, you know, Twitter. corporate corporate and actually get some money out of this thing. Instead, I went back. And I slammed that sucker down on the counter and I said, listen, I could have gotten really sick from this. I could have gotten salmonella because of you guys. So I want a 10 piece cheesy top, a large French fry, a Whopper with cheese. And I just like literally listed off a giant list of food. And I said, I want it all free and I want my money back from the previous order as well. So they gave me all that and I probably could have gotten millions, but instead I ended up getting a really big meal and probably explains the reason why I look the way I look right now, which is fine, which is fine. You didn't get sick? It's all fine. I did not get sick. Unbelievable. But, uh, two giant bites of a raw chicken breast. <laughs> man, this, is, this, this immune system, I tell you what. Well, tell you what. My, my fast food horror story is I worked at McDonald's for six months. Uh, that was my very first job when I, was, <laughs> when I was 15 and a half. Uh, we did manage to get robbed while I was there, although oh, it, was, it was in conjunction with somebody who worked there and they were working with them to help. Rob. It was crazy. Um, so is Calcheck working out with the rest of the team? I don't think there's a Calcheck on the team, but yes, I think Victor Locken is right, Chad. All right. I wasn't sure who Calcheck was, yeah. and I'm glad that you clarified that for me. Yeah, it's it's Locken. Um. So uh, we're getting we're getting some updates from Justin. He said you might want to scrap that section. It's not wrong, but have more information. He refiled in Ohio court. Oh, mm-hmm. so, so it's not dismissed. It's, it's it, just it was, well, it, what the the that they just was pivoted. Dismissed. They pivoted. They no pivoted. one likes a no one likes a pivot. That's why that's why you got to be careful with breaking news on a podcast that you're recording because sometimes you got to like got to readjust. You got to listen till the end. So Justin is is report re-reporting uh, what specifically is going on. Uh, so go to Williams underscore Justin on Twitter if Twitter's still around uh, <laughs> tomorrow. So so this is today is Harry Potter in the Deathly Hallows part one. Hopefully, part two comes out soon. 
Uh, what are you most excited to see return to Bearcat basketball? Example, paint defense, electric dunks, etc. The press. Yeah. I'm the excited press. to see I'm excited to see a coach like Wes Miller on the sidelines and then just the the the, the Bearcat I want, I, that I, we, I want that the we press, remember. Bro. I want the press. Like I want I, I want multiple presses. I don't I like I want them to attack to come after yes. you defensively. Amen. That's my memory of like those 92, 93 teams. Uh, you know, it changed obviously when Danny got here because Fortson wasn't like the same type of guy that Hugs had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and maybe Wes will have to go through that evolu- evolution as his roster goes through an evolution and he has to adjust his coaching style. But right now, like I want to see defense get after you get in your ass like just come get some i want to see that i feel like it's been an awful long time i I feel like it's been an awful long time since (laughs) chad just got it (laughs) well fucking done look i got 36 things going on right now no and i have to i have to go save my house at auction bright early i understand i'll be real quick uh the thing i'm most excited about is we're actually going to be able to throw the ball down low people are going to be able to bang around down low and we're actually going to be able to dunk at a much higher rate i think this year so for me it is about the high fly and the just pounded in the paint and just some of the things that we haven't seen this team do in in several years i love it all right yeah. that's the bags we're done before anybody writes anymore we're we're done <laughs> we're done here go to justin's twitter feed like whatever is happening that 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 was that, that came out earlier, things are still developing. This is a breaking story. Uh, Justin is your guy because uh, I'm not smart enough to deal with that. I've uh, I've been trying to learn uh, property law over the past three weeks, and I suck at it. So this is much more Justin's speed than mine because I my brain is broken. Much in the same way that Dave Simone doesn't want to touch two hours, and I know he did. Uh, I don't want to touch three hours. Yeah, so we gotta get out of here. Let's like, this is, go. This is way too. Long. We're at two and a half. So uh, yeah, you know, I'm gonna. Brand, I'm, I'm gonna it, leave everything. Yep, I'm gonna leave everyone with this. Cheapest, cheapest tickets for this weekend uh, for Friday night's game against Temple, seventy five bucks, guys. So uh, I think we are slowly making it there. Slowly making it. But another big week ahead. Huge win against Notre Dame. Huge Friday coming up. Guys, stay locked into Bearcat Journal. This is a time that it is perfect. To be a fan, no better time to be a Bearcat fan than right now. So for my broadcast partners, sure, broadcast podcast partners, there we go, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel, and good friends as well, we're going to go ahead and sign off. This is the BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com.